Sony's new censorship. Are your waifus in danger? Hello and welcome to Triangle Square Day PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett, back and alongside me, Mr. Saw Bridges, bringing you guys lucky episode 83. I really, <laughs> really hope. Yeah, it's 83. Okay. I'm fairly positive. If it's not, hey, just lynch hey, us, lynch us let us know. Uh, you know, bombard us with negative comments on whatever. Um, Don't do that. With that in mind, we are a PlayStation Podcast, Triangle Squared. If this is your first time joining us, you can normally find us on Monday, uh, every Monday, to be in exact. I've never missed an episode ever besides this one trader Saul who's missed, to be fair, one official episode. One episode. Um, so you know what? Pretty good on you, Saul. Yeah. But you can find us in video format on YouTube, uh, where we post, like I said, every Monday at 12 p.m. CST and 10 a.m. PST. Did that backwards what I usually do. But if you like what we're doing on there, subscribe, hit the notification bell. It'll let you know what we're doing every Monday at the minimum. But we also have a reader mail coming up. So first Friday of every month, you'll be able to see those. And if we have any bonus episodes like impressions for video games or Saul's uh, currently limited run series that he did of Saul Plays, but it may come back. Hiatus. Yeah, we're going to see what happens there. Uh, you can find those there. But if you like what we're doing there and you like the conversations we're having, we'd love to hear your opinion in the comments below on there. If you want to listen to us in audio-only format, you can find us on podcast services including Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, Google Podcast Now as it's kind of moving over towards there. Uh, if you start to have problems on Google Play Music, look over on Google Podcast. Hopefully, you can pick up where you left off from there. Uh, and let's see if you want to talk to us in a crazy, high, fast, you know, output you can go over to discord where we have a bunch of people talking a bunch of stuff uh pretty often or if you want to have more structured conversations you can find us over on the facebook group for the show called the triangle squared a places podcast search it there ask to be entered in and we will accept that and gladly have conversations with you about the games and you can continue the conversations we start with the episodes over there or on discord or twitter where we are at triangle sqrd uh with that said the last thing we can talk about is our patreon where we love it for the people that do go in and support us, but of course we love the people that don't as well. All the people that support us help us do is just uh, cover a little more of the cost of the cost of the show so we can try and keep this ad free as long as possible. Uh, but you know, we don't want to promise anything too much. We just do what we can. And as opportunities come, we may reevaluate with the community, but we will always make sure we talk to you guys first. So you can support us over there at the $1 or $5 tier. $1 is just to support us uh, and get a little cool discord colored name. We are working on other things all the time, but we have a lot of behind the scenes stuff we're currently working on. So if you support us at the $5 tier every quarter, so once every three months of the year, uh, so pretty much January, what, April, July. What are they? I'm trying to think of all the. It'd be July and then October. October. There you go. You get a custom case of your choice uh, sent to you as a thank you for being one of our backers. So if you want to go over there and do that, uh, we just put out a new Red Dead case uh, that it's also available for giveaway on the Twitter. But the winner will be announced by the time this episode goes live. So with that said, Saul, do you want to move along into what you have been playing, good sir? Yeah. So I think we've both been playing somewhat. The same games this week. Now this is interesting because if I recall, we were okay. We recorded early last week, or Real last early, episode. Yeah. Um, so since we recorded early, I don't know that I had played any of Destiny Two yet. So with that said, this is my official episode to talk about my time with Destiny Two Forsaken, since this is my first roll back with it since the game launched. What do you think? Uh, well, obviously, like we said, we're both been playing that. Um, it, it has surprised me in a lot of ways. And the number one thing is the last episode that we actually did, and it may have been last 
where we talked about it. it may have been last episode it may have been the one before that but uh we you explained gambit and kind of what the idea behind it was and i said that i would try it though i didn't necessarily know that i would like it uh, i'm happy to report in that it's amazing and it's very it fun is. It's, it's very addicting it's very fun it is the most fun i've had doing an online mode and i think it's because of the nature of what it is it's so mechanically driven it is and it's very like that game is and that game mode is very weird to me because it goes from me being incredibly upset and irrationally angry to like the highest of highs. Yes. Because there are times in which, you know, your little gray bar is filled and it's like, and then, you know, uh, drifter comes over and is like, bank those moats. And then there's people running around killing things. I'm like, bank. (laughs) Well, cause (laughs) hold on. It irritates me so much. I get it. But there's this play you go where it's like, he says bank my moats right now, but I've only got four. If I get one more, I can also send a blocker over. If they have a primeval, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Sure. And it depends on what's going on, but nine times out of 10, that's when I get the, the most angry is when they have a primeval, like half health and they're still running around killing things i'm like what are y'all doing bank those moats <laughs> we can literally still turn this around all it needs is one invasion portal and me to go over there or someone to go over there and get a couple kills and it could turn this around oh dude we were so close to the day swore we were gonna lose yeah swore we were gonna lose and one invader turned that and around. hold on it got we still lost uh, but barely we had the thing where invader went over and it, it was we were so behind they got their prime evil out when we were at like 30 moats i had a bad team with me but it was me and donovan just rolling through uh and the other two guys were just screwing around me and donovan were doing okay but me and donovan both had bad bouts of luck too where i had 15 and something happened and i ended up losing them all dying and you lost them so if you haven't played the game of course the point is to kill it's pvp it's pve with pvp mixed in so essentially like saul talked about uh you're on a map and essentially what's going on is that you're going you're you and another team are on the exact same map on different planes of existence basically right and you're both going through have monsters that spawn out you kill them they drop moats they drop different amounts depending on the quality of the monster and how hard it is to beat uh and then of course you go back and you bang them the bank can be blocked by them sending over a certain number of moats at one time and can send over a small medium or blo- a large blocker based off of five ten or fifteen moats um so yeah it was really crazy that we were doing that and i was like surely we're gonna lose but then we had a couple of things where donovan went over and invaded and during the primeval step uh if somebody kills somebody the primeval continues to get healed so it's like this weird struggle of where even though you swear you're gonna lose if you just play your cards right we got to the point though where right at the very end we both had this little sliver of health and they just barely got ahead of us i mean we, it was so close me and donovan were like i've that's actually of all the matches i've done it's the most pumped i've been see i'll I, i'm gonna say this right now i'm not exactly proud of how this happened um, but I don't normally quit, like rage quit. Oh no! This was not one of those times. So it was me, my buddy Joe, and my buddy Gavin playing. And I'm assuming Gavin was sucking it up. That dude goes and grabs heavy ammo and jumps <laughs> in the invasion portal that dies instantly. It makes me so angry. If I go into invasion portal, I'm not trying to brag. I normally kill three enemies at least. Yeah, three guardians. Um, so pre-sleeper nerf at least now they, they never sleeper it's kind of hard but anyways um so i got killed and this is very early into the game i got killed because we got invaded and what i was mad at was that there was this other teammate that was playing with us and i banked for a small blocker gavin was trying to get 10 to bank for a medium and joe actually had just been killed by the architects because he got slammed into a wall so he died. And then we had this other guy who was running around who was not killing anybody, but just running around picking up moats. 
And I don't normally have a problem with that, but he had 15 and he was not banking them. So it was at like, it was five to like 30 in terms of like banked moats. And we got invaded. And then that guy comes over and kills every single one of us. So I, in my little ghost, my, my death ghost screen, I held Triangle to back us out to orbit because I was that mad. Well, we went back into Gambit. Same <laughs> and, match? And, and with, within about, I don't know, three minutes of waiting, we got put back in the same match. But there was another person. It was not the same person because we checked the clan tag. And we ended up coming back and, and, and winning. <laughs> oh, wow. match. Uh, fueled by rage. Because, that I mean, that just shows you how bad a teammate can be, like really hold you back when they're not playing for the team. But it's a lot of fun. Like So so you, you think that the, the price you paid for Forsaken and everything has been worth it so far? Uh, essentially. Because here's – and we'll, we'll get off Gambit. Because it's, it's one of those things where I wonder if we explained it thoroughly enough to where it sounds like you know it's worth it. <laughs> Yeah, I was yeah, talking it's, about it's, it. It's really Sorry fun. for rambling on in that. But no, the rest of the stuff for people who are curious about getting back into it, it is the best storyline they've done. It's still not great. Destiny still has a lot of work to do on story in general. Uh, but it is the coolest thing that they've done. And one of the biggest things I will say, and I don't feel like this is spoiler at all, is that of all of the expansions so far, because I played them all now, I, now I, the only thing that made me buy it was that they did include the other two expansions into uh, Forsaken. I got Forsaken for fifteen percent off while we were doing that, and I used my PlayStation card points to get it for basically three dollars out of pocket. Right, that's so why really I did. Worth it. It. So really worth my money. Um, but what was interesting is that the same problem that the base story had, and, and both of the expansions moving into this one was that Destiny has this, and a lot of sci-fi does, but I get so tired of it, this obsession with you being the chosen one. And you're the chosen one in the first you're in the in the base game you're the chosen one in trials of osiris you're not necessarily the chosen one but aya or whatever her name is uh, is basically the chosen one for rasputin and warmind and it basically means that all of these stories are floating around centered around somebody being the chosen one and for all these dumb reasons, and they almost have to justify it because, like, Trials of Osiris is like, why am I going and doing this instead of Ikora? Ikora is the only person in this tower that really has a relationship and a care to want to go after Osiris, so why am I doing it? It's, it's dumb. It, 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 it's so... It's so convenient to the games that it makes the world feel too game-like. There's a balance that you try and strike between being convenient for the game so it's fun for players to engage in, and then other times where it's like, well, it just feels like I'm running out and doing everything because it's trying to be a game. It's too hard. To, yeah, it's... Um, and that puts you into the, the front focus. Yeah, so that chosen one trope is really relied on in those situations a lot, where it's like, well, we're doing this because it's supposed to be fun for you to do, so we want to make you do everything, and we'll justify it by saying, well, you're the chosen one. You're the only one that could have done it. Well, right. here's, the, here's the other problem with that. That works in a single-player game. That doesn't work in a game where you and literally everyone else you play with was apparently the chosen many. Yeah. The chosen majority. <laughs> and I, I think that like what they're trying to pass it off as, at least in my head canon, is that the guardians that you are playing with are all the chosen. Like it's it, you as a group, but they don't ever say that they don't you are the that. chosen that's yeah, one. Yeah, so that's why it's a, it's an issue there, but this one goes a whole different route and it does so by being uh, more emotionally invested and, and having emotional reasons as to why you're going out and doing something. Not because fate somehow chose you as one. So that's really good. The rebalancing of the game is good in a lot of ways. There's things I don't like, um, but I'm still trying to get used to them. I actually, it's a mixed bag on this, but I did like 
Uh, and this, we'll try and wrap up Destiny 2 for those who don't, that don't care. But uh, I did like in the base game, and it's something that I, I'm still missing to an extent, uh, infusing and it not being ridiculous to do. Yeah. And I don't mean ridiculous in the sense, but it's like, why should I have to be spending Masterwork cores? Which I know they're easy enough to get. No. But why, well, you get two per day from Spider pretty easily. For, so, th- for 30 shards, yeah. yeah. Legendary shards. Yeah. So, uh, But my essential you're thing You're going to run into a problem, though, where you end up dismantling all your stuff for legendary shards to get that, and then don't forget that infusing takes legendary shards mm-hmm. there's a wall you hit yes. i hit that wall yeah um so that's why i'm trying to play a balancing game of it and it's the, the the flip side of why it's good uh is that it forces you to finally try new things oh, because yeah. the beginning of the game the biggest thing is that you find the one set of armor you like and then you can continuously infuse it up well two things have changed that now so random rolls being back in the game mean that there's more of a reason to try and get the same weapon with a different role or the same armor piece with a different role uh so there's that but then there's also the side of again going back to the negative if you find the thing with the perfect role but you're out of the things to continue buffing it up as a thing then you're kind of screwed again because you you're forced to change to something else that's going to continue to get your light level up so that you can continue to do more activity yeah um well it's a balancing act. I don't know if you know this or not, or you may not remember this. In Destiny 2, at least, I don't know if this was the base game feature or if this was uh, launched with... Um, Osiris? And I want to say it was before Osiris. Uh, unlike Destiny 1, you don't have to have everything equipped for it to give you the gear. Yes, that was at base. Okay, that's what I thought. So, yeah, you don't have to throw on junk armor to well, get... To get better, but it's not about that. It's about being able to do more damage right, yeah. with the weapon that, that you that want. That is 100% true. Yeah, and being able to keep your current light level up with the item you want. Because yeah. here's the thing. Even if you're going to get new gear that is the appropriate, that's continuing to go up in your light level, if you're not getting the gear that has the, the, the rolls and the pieces that you like, then it still doesn't matter because you're being forced away from that to go towards a lesser place style for yourself exactly and, there, and there's there's it's a cycle cool. it's it's, a, it's an interesting thing because it forces you to want to play through and then hopefully grind out to get that same piece but it's just weird when you have random rolls it's different it's like well if i get the same piece it will for sure do the same thing it's yeah. why it's a it's, it's a mixed bag but i do get that it's more engaging for the general destiny community and i think that it goes back to more of what they wanted from the first game and it is it's basically this game taking so many steps back to be more like the first game continually finally um, yeah. that's what they should have done at launch it should have been a, an a reiteration and expand upon what the first game was at the end of the game. And that include, that's included in Collections and Triumphs where they've added back basically the same feature of you the can, Rise of Iron You book. can go back and get all your shaders. You can go back and get even base armor and stuff in some parts. So it, it really works out really well. And they, you know, now shaders are free to equip. So like you can literally go to your collections, buy a couple shaders at very minimal cost, and then equip it. So customization now. Oh, are they not consumed? No, they are, but you can buy them. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I just was curious. Yeah, yeah. You, but you, they are free to equip on things. So now you don't have to spend Glimmer to equip them. You have no... On your ship, you still do. On your ship? Hmm? Uh, maybe it's just... I have the SIVA ship that was like... It was up for purchase in Eververse or whatever a yeah. couple days ago for Bright Dust, and I bought it. But uh, other than Destiny 2, though, we've been playing, I, I want to say, a fairly good, healthy amount of Red Dead 2. Nothing not, like in tens not me. of hours. Yeah. I'm sure you're like five hours or four hours. Probably you're past the first section, probably which is roughly two. Cumulative, I've been playing maybe three hours. Okay. I'm about six or seven hours. Yeah. Uh, I'd be further if the game didn't force me to requit. But I don't know if we're going to do an impressions on that. So I don't. I, I, I want do. to, but here's the okay. thing. I want to once I feel like I've gotten enough under my belt to be able to talk about it. Right. That doesn't necessarily in beating it exactly um, Colin Moriarty didn't even beat it in his review yeah and that's and that's smart because it's a big game and it's, it's a huge game yeah. it's really it's paced not badly I can't say that yet because I'm not far enough but it's, it's paced a slow draw it's a very interesting slow way. burn of a game yeah it's I, I honestly the I, I can compare it to the order in a, in a kind of an interesting way in that gameplay is somewhat slow but combat feels 
a little bit faster. Yeah, still a little clunky. Oh and no, the order feel okay. Well, the well, order the order combat felt a little clunky to me too. I mean, no, but, it felt clunky compared to some third person shooters, but it feels way better than this game did in third person. Well, me. I'm also yeah, I'm used to I'm used to GTA controls. If you and I'll, GTA controls, and I will I will say that I don't want to say too much about the game because I'm not yeah. far enough in to give it a good thing. But the one thing that playing the game has taught me because I did not care for Grand Theft Auto Five and Grand Theft Auto Four was a big letdown. So I pretty much avoided their games. Even Max Payne was kind of had had the same problem. They have a huge problem with and, and not, not a problem problem i can't quite it's say that it's a say. it's it's a problem with me i have a problem with the way that they go about but a lot of people do very clunky and non non-precise movement and, and controls uh but the bigger thing i want to have is just as a base of what i've already played of the game even with changing control schemes around no matter what you do, they have button context problems where they put two very important things that have very important effects on the same button. I've and it's killed a very so many people in that game by accidentally pressing L2 and thinking my gun was holstered and it was not. Um, so that's or, interesting. See, the problem with that is not killing. It's that you're now you're aiming. So you're antagonizing someone when you didn't intend to because you didn't holster your weapon, but because they chose to have the communicate with someone button be the same thing as aiming at them. And since the game has an effect when you aim on somebody and they actually react to that, there's problems. Well, no, you need to be careful with button sensitivity. Another problem, d- uh, dead bodies. This is something I just ran into. Climbing, you climb with square, but you also pick people and stuff up with square. So the problem is context sensitivity. I was trying to climb up onto a train on one part, and there was a dead body there, and it kept making me pick up the or body it. <laughs> but it off the train it does it, it it's it's it breaks the immersion i mean not really that's kind of real life though right if you're trying no. to climb up a, a, a train there's a dead body you're not gonna climb the, the over dead the body's dead on the body. ground i can climb over it very easily oh, okay i thought you meant like up on no the he's train. pretty much underneath the train oh, gotcha okay. but yeah, because i'm trying to go there it's a context sensitivity problem and when a, with a game that's trying so hard to get you with all these small details I mean, there's a couple. That's something that just, it, it breaks the immersion. Now, of course, that may have been, that may be the only time I experience it. That's why I'm saying that this is very preliminary and this isn't going to be, you know, indicative of what I think of the game as a whole. I just, I'm going in as open minded as possible. I will say this, though. I think Saul's playing in third person. I'm playing entirely in first person. Right. At first, I was switching between first person during standard play and then horseback. I was going third person. I just got used to how it feels a little different on first person, but combat feels better to me in first person on the horse. That's why I decided to stick with first person always. Yeah, I suck at combat on the back of the horse. Yeah, you know that part when the wolves are coming down? I had to do that in first person. Uh, don't forget about Deadeye. Deadeye really helps on the back of a horse. I'm sure, but I'm not used to using it yet. Yeah, so. it's, it's kind of interesting to use. Regardless, uh, we, we've I think, yeah, we've both played a decent bit, but we're going to reserve more talk for that as we continue to work our way through it. This is... Just to put all cards out there, I did not enjoy the first game. I played about five to six hours of it before I put it down. Uh, I will say this game's already done everything that the first game was doing. Playing it in first person is is gotten around most of the quirks I have with the way Rockstar continues to make their games. And I know that they do that. There's a good and a bad of that. The good of that is that I do kind of like it when developers make decisions where it's like you always know that this is one of their games. Because like one of those examples is how The Last Guardian still controlled similarly yeah. to what you expected from Ico and Shadow of the Colossus. And the thing is, it's like, well, it just feels undeniably like a Team Ico game, even though it was technically gym design, but it was Team Ico and gym design, kind of just how they were, moved around. But So I like that, but it just happens to be in this case, I have more problems with this because I'm not used to it. Um, so I'm working my way through getting used to playing Rockstar games again. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, though, just uh, since uh, we'll move into the drop here in a little bit, but I am really curious as to 
This uh, Red Dead has always been historically slower than Grand Theft Auto games. Yes, and it's because it's less satire. And, and yeah, what I'm really curious as to what all is implemented from this attention to detail to the next Grand Theft Auto. I don't know because I think that the tone of what they're trying to do is very different. I don't think God. I, I don't think uh, Grand Theft Auto. Like, though, like in San Andreas, maybe stuff like that could return. Um, maybe, but here's even in San Andreas, and people somewhat remember that. But the thing is, is that. Too much detail definitely pulls from the pacing of a game that's meant to be funny and satiring, and you know it's it's one of those things where I think that some of the detail will come, like you know uh, ground deformation and cloth and uh, animation, uh, like you know how precise the animations look to what's going on. I think they'll do stuff like that. I've also and I would I could see the first person mode coming back since that was always since first person made its way from Grand Theft Auto Five's PS4 Xbox One release into this game, yeah. and it's far better in this game than what I saw and played of the little bit of Grand Theft Auto Five I did play in first person, which was very 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 limited. Yeah. But uh, I, there's a lot of options, and I think that the game feels good in that. So maybe that will carry over as a gameplay design, uh, you know. But I, I can't. Th- I think some of it will. I think some of it's too much. Right. For what people would expect Grand Theft Auto to be, which I think that a lot of people say that San Andreas is their favorite game, um, and Grand, it's, it's definitely one of mine. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be disappointed if a couple things made it. People all have I always asked yeah. for uh, gas to be a thing at Grand Theft Auto. Do not make gas a thing, please. Mm-hmm. I do not want a game based on me stealing cars to have to stop from a police chase to get gas, or yeah. to steal a car and then to run out of gas in a police chase. See, that's that's like no. wanting a racing no. game, like a, like an arcade racer. That's like wanting an arcade racer to make you stop for gas. Yeah, or stop at the pits. And it's like, no, come change. on now. That's Don't not... No. Yeah, that's for sim racing. What, Let what, me sim what race. What for Speed game did that? There was a Need for Speed game. Never mind. No, it's not. I'm thinking of Burnout. That had you go through the car washes or whatever. Paradise, because yeah. Paradise just you didn't have to refuel, but it would it would change your color, it would, well, your or it would you ca- fix your cosmetic damages. Yeah, yeah. For, for me, that's I kind of wish there was a press of a button in that kind of game to just reset everything. But sure, being what it was. But uh, I guess I guess Red Red Dead and Destiny, pretty much it, right? Man, yeah, I don't think I played anything else. I didn't. I've not played many games this week at all. I didn't get to play near as much as I wanted to. Yeah, me neither. Uh, definitely didn't play as much uh, Red Dead as I wanted to. So. We're going to move into the hop, but one thing we're going to do, um, and moving into the hop, <laughs> yep. so, so, because I was going to make a joke towards it, but anyway, uh, we're going to move into the drop, but one thing that we're going to do is technically answer a reader mail just because it's more of a reader request, which is yeah, so, no fate, Mr. Sean Neo right. asking us, uh, with Red Dead coming out, he says uh, he's not into Westerns, and with all the hype around Red Dead Redemption 2, he thinks it's possible to miss out on some hidden gems. What other games are out this week should or should I keep my eye on? Call uh, of Cthulhu. Yeah, Call of Cthulhu, it's funnily enough the first game on the list. I think that that's a very interesting looking game. It's Focus. Uh, I They are very back and forth on how much I like their games, but I tend to give their games a try because they have a... They're one of those double-A developers that does a pretty good job. I love Vampyr, um, and if this is doing even anything close to that in terms of trying to be ambitious in certain areas, and I'm, I'm good there. But I think it's also an interesting thing to bring up that he's very right. Certain games tend to overshadow games that are great. And one, of, one game that suffered from that uh, was Dark Sector on PS3. I'm pretty sure it was Gears of War 2 that came out and overshadowed it because Gears was such a phenomena. I'm pretty that, sure that was it too, actually. Yeah. And that's just one of those weird things where sometimes games are so hyped up that they they end up squashing games that are actually great that come out around them. So uh, good on you for noticing that, uh, Sean. And I'm hoping that, you know, last week, I don't know what you're into, but My Hero Academia, I've heard a lot of great things from people that actually like these 
show and the anime. If that's something that you're interested in, go play that. There's been complaints in certain areas on it. Um, but last week was pretty much going to be dominated by Red Dead. Now, moving forward, while people continue to give so much time to Red Dead, you have other games to play. I think Call of Cthulhu is a good one. I don't know if I'm going to pick it up just yet because of the fact that I'm already balancing between the two games, but I do intend to get it. Yeah, that's a kind of a weekend buy. But uh, I guess I will hop into the drop. For those that don't know, the drop is this week's PlayStation release is coming out starting the Tuesday of the week and can be expanding all the way until Friday. So starting tomorrow for when the podcast airs, uh, you guys are going to be looking forward to some of these great games. First on the list, we have Call of Cthulhu, as we said before, for PS4. We have Cronus Arc for PS4 and a PS Vita digital cross-buy title. Or no, sorry, retail cross-buy. But, you know, cross-buy is digitally. So that's kind of interesting. As, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have Deathmark for PS4 and PS Vita. That's going to be the that game is going to be one of the last physical Vita games. Really? Yeah, they've they've stopped producing the or they're stopping producing the cartridges. Huh? They put in the last orders. Interesting. Um, we have Dream Daddy Dad Rector's cut for PS4. Something about saying Dad and Rector, I just don't like. Mm-hmm. It sounds like an erect dad, and that's not what we want at all. I mean, even though that's kind of the point of the game, isn't it? I, yeah, I guess that is true. <laughs> we have Infinite Adventures for PS4, Legends of Catalonia, the Land of Barcelona for PS VR, Nico Para for or Volume One for PS4, Paper Dolls for PS VR, The Quiet Man Limited Bundle for PS4. I have like the most morbid curiosity about that game because it's think I'm gonna like the, the pre-roll footage looks so weird but i'm interested in seeing what they're trying to do yeah i'm not it depends not how, how much is it is it Probably like 20, 20? i think that's right i yeah. think that's right we have redeemer enhanced edition for ps4 revenge of the bird king for ps vita shadow of the loot box for ps4 super pixel racers for ps4 super volley blast for ps4 Taiko no tatsujin drum session for ps4 and that's the last one on the list so Here's the, that that uh, that pixel racers it has a cute art. The art looks cool, and I think I may. So if you like those kind of ideas, go go check that game out. Who knows? Yeah. You may you may end up like a little little cute looking racing game. And I mean, like it, it, it's more just like interesting because it's like trying to be eight bit, but it's like against the hyper realistic dirt and dust. I don't know. We'll see how it actually ends up coming around to. Uh, but with that said, I'm going to move on into the news, and the news is interesting though not too terribly long this week with a with a week dominated by Red Dead. We didn't want to over and uh, inundate you with that, so we'll move into the first thing which is the long-announced but little-seen medieval remake has finally received some info, as well as a promise for a trailer soon. The game is indeed a full remake as opposed to just a remaster, which was one of the first things I really wanted to know when they talked about it, so it's good to see it'll be a full remake. I'm hoping so far as to say in the same vein as what we saw with Shadow of the Colossus and even the uh, Crash Bandicoot games, I think that the series lends itself well to a cartoony look. Um, So... Hopefully, we get just a really polished, great-looking remake. Uh, Some more stuff we know is it's going to be developed by a developer called Other Ocean Interactive, uh, which will include some members of Guerrilla Cambridge. If you don't know, that's actually the studio that was originally involved. So SCEE Cambridge was the original developer for Medieval, Medieval 2, and the reimagining of Medieval 1 on PSP, uh, which actually, when they weren't saying if it was going to be a remake or a remaster, I expected it to be a remaster like they did with Parappa and Loco Roco, where they use their PSP emulator that lets you fl- uh, flip in 4K textures on the fly. And I thought that they were just going to use Medieval Resurrection and 
basically use it and make it 4K, which would make it look sharp, and it's not a bad-looking game. It's actually a fun game. I still, But I'm glad it's not that. Apparently, Parappa has had a fair share of issues for its HD remaster, so I'm kind of glad it didn't. Loco Roco didn't, and nor did Patapon. So really? it's a mixture It's a, it's a mixture of how things go, or at least from what I've seen. I, Loco I Roco's pretty good. I love Loco Roco. It's a, it's a great game. So uh, let's see. Hey, Blake, that's another one for your PSP. Oh, Loco Roco. Roco. Yeah, it's an interesting game. And actually, if your kids, uh, it's a good kid game, too, as well, because it's not hard to play. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, But lastly, it will receive a new trailer on Halloween at 7 a.m. PST. So that's pretty early. Going to be excited for that Wednesday morning. Team Sonic Racing, the new spinoff of uh, the Sonic Kart Racer series, has been delayed to May 21st, 2019, as opposed to its original release plans this fall. Uh, The claim is to use the extra time to make the best gameplay experience possible, which isn't surprising uh, after the game really didn't have that big of a blow-up after they showed it off. Uh, A lot of people really like the All-Star series, which is made by the same group. It's still Sumo Digital. Uh, but they're going a different direction with this one. So we'll see how that ends up working, but hopefully it does well for the game. Uh, and that kind of works out because that Nintendo kart racer came out. So it just, kart races are an interesting genre anyway. Let this kind of just take over the couple of kart races that are out and then let them take over next, next spring. And hopefully that'll do well. Yeah. Um, EA and DICE announced that Battlefield 5 Battle Royale mode will not launch with the game. It is instead uh, planned for release in March of next year. The information was laid out in a roadmap for the game uh, that details all the content, plans going forward. So if you are interested in the game, go check that out. It talks about everything that they're doing. Uh, But that is a very interesting move. When you're going against Call of Duty... Get on arrival. That's going to be... And more importantly, when you're going against Call of Duty in a year where they're launching with Blackout out there and it's getting so much attention, I feel like it's a really missed opportunity because the thing about it is you would probably get a couple people who liked Blackout to even just try the game, pick up the game, help sales, and of course maybe keep the online thing going if you had that. Now, what you end up risking is people going, well, I have Fortnite and I have Call of Duty, both of which I enjoy the Battle Royale mode on. And that's mostly what I'm interested in playing. Do I really want to stop playing that to go potentially try Battlefield Five, which I may not like since it doesn't have Battle Royale, right? Yeah, now you have no option. So it's just it's just interesting in a time that's being dominated by the idea of Battle Royale and seeing it in so many new ways, like we see with Blackout, and we were hoping to see with this this year. Um, it's also interesting that they were they came out so on top with this at E3 this year, saying, "Yeah, we're going to have Battle Royale," and now it's not even coming until next year. And that's the sad thing is that by then, Call of Duty's got the market cornered after a delay too. Yeah, after yeah, that's right because it went from October to November. Yep. Right? Yeah. So, so sad, interesting to say the least. Despite no update on Borderlands 3, it appears that Gearbox is starting work on a new IP. A tweet from new executive producer for the project claims that it will be a tentpole franchise for the company and that it aims to be something for all players, be it, quote, whether you are 6 or 60, end quote. I love those kind of generalizations. It's like you, you try and look, it's like, what? What about 5-year-old or 61-year-old? <laughs> Where are they at? They're outside of the spectrum, sadly. Um, but interesting to see that they are not shying away from doing new IP after Battleborn was like a colossal failure for them. A massive, massive um, failure. The fact that that game was $20 like a month and a half after Here's launch. what I will imagine that they're trying to learn from Battleborn. Everything? Look around at what else is already announced. Depending on how long this is going to take them to make, which new IPs tend to take a long time, try and look at the markets and figure out what's going and not release something like Battleborn against something like Overwatch. First person pinball game. Never been done. Are you sure? I actually feel like I've heard that. I really hope not. 
where you're a spaceship and you get to go and no, you're a person. You have a you have a you have a big old baton and you have to and like and you just run around the map hitting a big old silver ball around. But then how does that how do physics bounce you back? It doesn't bounce you back. You have to bounce the ball around the map, and then you have two teams. Well, what you could do is that the force of hitting the object would have a negative. It would be, and you could call it like well, no, you're Newton's the, third law or whatever. Isn't that the, the law bumper, that's though. you're the bumper running around trying to just hit the ball? It's basically like oh, you're hitting the ball. I thought you were talking about with a hammer hitting the things, no, but no. hitting them requires an equal force. So you have to strategically plan where you're going to hit it, or it could throw you down. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Extreme baseball, basically, but with a net <laughs> or like a hole that the ball goes into. I don't know. Uh, that's interesting, though, and we'll, it, it, it's interesting to see them going this far because all you keep hearing from them is stuff that's not Borderlands Three, but they they keep saying Borderlands Three is real. So I wonder what they're doing with it, and if this is going to be the same idea of what you see with Red Dead, where it's a, a an extreme evolution of the game going from Borderlands 2 to what 3 is. Like, are they really trying to reinvent it that much that you need six years of development? It's hard, too, with with Destiny being a thing. Um, well, and how much did Battleborn... Have they had a team on it since Borderlands 2, or did Battleborn take precedence, and then they've only actually worked on Borderlands for like I four years? I uh, Battleborn took precedence. I don't know. That's, man, they really banked on the wrong with, thing with all there. The marketing they had. I'd imagine they probably had a skeleton te- team dealing with Borderlands 3 from the get-go, though. You know, because you got to think about this. It is Borderlands moving into next gen finally, because we saw the pre-sequel come from a different developer. And now we're seeing this one come from the home developer, even though I think that they were involved in some sense on the pre-sequel. But um, yeah, we'll see. Isn't Randy Pitchford still head of? uh, Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. So he doesn't come off to me as well planned. Like, I'm not trying to insult him, but definitely considering he got (laughs) scammed. Yeah. So (laughs) but look twice by like, wasn't it his own family, too? No, it was it was like a personal assistant that he hired. Oh, okay. I, th- I really thought it was like his, his brother-in-law or something. No, it's a personal assistant that a lot of people hired from the Frisco area of Texas. Uh, but anyway, one thing I thought was interesting that I just want to shout out, uh, they have confirmed that free movement will be included in uh, Borderlands 2 VR. Good. To me. Just, I don't know if I saw it. Maybe I misunderstood something going in, but they did confirm that free movement will be available, not just teleportation. They did not flat out deny that PSVR aim will or PS aim controller will be supported but they did the old classic we have no word or news on controllers at this time yeah but there's still no co-op so no buy honestly the co-op is as long as the vr aim is supported i personally will play it i don't i don't find borderlands fun at all by myself i think that i think that in first person with a gun where you're doing the movements yourself it becomes fun that's why i'm at least willing to try it if vr aim is supported but that's my that's I just don't think Borderlands Three will be a huge thing, regardless of with with all the looter shooters we have right now. There's yeah, so many. That's true. You have Warframe, though, which is massive for being free. You have Destiny Two, which just made a massive comeback. That's why I'm wondering if they're wanting to really change the game. I, what were they going to change it to? I don't know. I don't like. I mean, they, they have could, to keep some of the DNA alive. But yeah, they have to keep like the humor, the art style, that kind of stuff. But like, what made Borderlands Borderlands won't be its backbone anymore, and it will feel like a different game. But I don't think that what made Borderlands Borderlands is going to suffice for a next gen game of that caliber anyway oh sure it's the same it's the same formula as destiny almost you basically group up with friends you go kill enemies you yeah but weapons, doing you it kill bosses if you're doing it the same as you were last gen 
and just doing it next gen and nothing looks better except for the graphics. I don't think well, that's exactly what people want. I'm sure you Because we've already, that. we've had three games of the same style already. And actually the pre-sequel did a little bit to try and change it up mechanically. Three games? Yeah, one, two, and the pre-sequel. Oh, I thought you meant like three games besides the Borderlands series. No, no, no. I just mean specifically in the Borderlands thing. So, I don't know. But we will move on to the next thing, which is pretty cool. An interesting charity auction has been started by Bethesda in partnership with Microsoft and Hypebeast uh, called Helmets for Habitats. Replica power armor helmets of various designs and colors are being auctioned away with the proceeds going towards Habitat for Humanity, which we don't know who they are. They go over like 70 plus countries, uh, basically trying to get housing and basic places to live for people so that they have a decent quality of life, which is a pretty cool thing to support. Uh, there are more than there are 82 I'm sorry 82 different helmets on auction right now uh, from now until October, from November 14th it's already been going on for a little while they are up there some of the lowest ones right now are like 179 but some of the highest ones are at like 2500 uh, there's one that's got like a beer holder on its head and it's two Nuka Colas with the things coming down to the mouth that's kind of cool and it's it's up to like 2500 it's really ridiculous oh my gosh Next up, though, Square Enix patched the Kingdom Hearts 1.5 plus 2.5 Remix and 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue to unlock all the share functionality that was previously locked away from the game. Uh, so that includes screenshots, and you can even actually do capture for the movie titles. Um, so you will probably be able to find those shortly on YouTube, uh, which I think you already probably can. Especially by the, the release of this episode, I would think. But more easily, because here's the thing. People before were having to use capture stuff to get it. Yeah. You know, so... It's it's one of those interesting things. I think uh, Kiki said he was going to be streaming it probably because he can now. Right. So he can stream it directly from his PlayStation. Did they fix that with um, Persona 5? I don't think so. A lot of Japanese games do not mess with that. That's Tails crazy. does the same thing. It stops you from sharing. As soon as the cutscene starts, you're done. You can't share a thing. See, and I, I remember the uh, one of the developers of Persona said that it's only a temporary thing to prevent spoilers. Early on. Early on. But They I may have fixed it. I, I would think so, but I don't ever remember reading an article in which people were saying they did. But, you know, those are articles I don't know. that can be missed. And that game is still played by a lot of people. So, Oh, it's a fantastic. That's why. Next up, Sony and Stark, stark contrast to Nintendo, tend to make a habit of lowering prices on their exclusives after a reasonable amount of time has passed since launch. With that said, Sony recently dropped the prices on a number of games as follows. Gran Turismo Sport was 40 It's now $19.99. Uh, God of War was obviously full-priced. It is now $39.99, which is great. If you haven't played it yet, it's a good time to get it. Uh, Detroit Become Human, also down to $39.99 for full price. MLB The Show 18 is down from $39.99. It's now $29.99. Uh, best-selling... Baseball only baseball really. I'll say that, yeah, <laughs> uh, Uncharted: The Lost Legacy is down from thirty to twenty now, so nineteen ninety nine. Shadow of the Colossus was also forty; it's down to nineteen ninety nine as well. Hidden Agenda was ten dollars; it's now five. That's you. Same Sing Star Celebration is- and Knowledge is Power. So those last four, just to be clear, are PlayLink titles. It's not surprising that they're so cheap. My mind's blown that That's You was ever ten dollars, considering it was given away for free for like two months was on it? PS Plus. Okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. That's crazy that like that game was ten dollars. No, th- it wasn't ten dollars at launch. Anyway, I think it was twenty at launch. Oh, that's mm-hmm. even worse. The PlayLink initiative did not appear to pan out very well for them, and but, I don't yeah, even think we're going to get. I don't think we're going to get some of the games that they talked about, like the Erica game that they showed off. I'm pretty sure that's dead in the water. Yeah, um, but I don't know because. You haven't seen an article on it, but it's one of those games that didn't just receive a lot of attention, so nobody's really begging for it. I was at least interested in trying it because I think that the medium... I think of all the games they did um, for the PlayLink initiative, Hidden Agenda made the most sense of because course. people did... It, a, it looked great. 
And I have it. I still haven't got a chance to play it because I'm going to play it with my Isn't wife. Isn't it on the same engine? No, it's Unreal Engine 4. Oh, uh, okay. Actually, but it's made by the people who obviously did Until Dawn. Right. And one of the things that they saw with people doing Until Dawn, and even they noticed that in Detroit as well, so they utilized that on PSX when they had the whole crowd decide what to do. That was something they noticed in streams that people were doing where everybody was playing together and just yelling out things yeah. they wanted to see. It's, it's fun when so, you go to a stream like that. That idea is even better when you have a room full of people. You know, There's four people watching this movie thing play out, but they're all somehow affecting the way it's going to play out. That's a cool idea. Of all of them, I think that makes the most sense in terms of a traditional game. That's you. Singstar and Knowledge's Power are all party games that are obviously going to be short-lived. But it goes to show you that the game games that were trying to do something they like Hidden Agenda, and it's, and that's still not a game game, but it's more traditional. It's still casual enough that anybody could pull it off. I think there are better things and better prices that you can pay for in real life, not video games. Well, this is more fun for parties like that sure not even parties but groups of people will try to do something sure i agree it's just what's more interesting is that this was this started at the same time as that they announced knack 2 and their uh their move or not announced but you know they started talking about knack 2 and their move towards wanting to be more consumer uh more friendly with casual market instead of being so hardcore given and i think what's interesting is that it goes to show that they're that's just not their bread and butter and that I don't think people come to them for that necessarily. No. I still think it's a market they need to have a foot in, which I think you see that here and there like with Astrobot for VR. Uh, they're proving with great scores, great sales of that. Uh, it's getting even people to buy VR. But it's one of those games where you, we know that Sony can do it, but they just don't do it often enough. It does seem like most of the studios that are doing that for them are Japan Excuse Studio because Knack and Knack 2 and then Astrobot um, was all Japan Studio. Isn't uh, I'm trying to think of another game that came out. Uh, I mean, you can think about like the uh, you don't know Jack series that came back to PS4 now. Um, but I don't know. It's I don't know how well those games even do. I've actually never even looked in the sales numbers. I would be curious to see if they sell really well or not. Call me old fashioned, quote unquote. But like, if I'm with a group of friends, I think tabletop games are way more the go- way to go. Yeah, tops like a TV show or a movie on the because you're wrapped around each other. Yep. You can't really do that with uh, a TV. You're oh, always going to be yeah, side by side with, with everyone. Like, you know. Because some of those games were played on fo- off phones or bases of phones, weren't they? Sure, but you still have a screen that was the hub, so you'd have to be beside each other. Well, I'm talking about in terms of like having stuff you're trying to do, maybe against other people that you can't like have your phone. Sure, them. sure. I don't I, know. I remember there was a game like that where you didn't really want anybody to see your phone or what you're picking. Maybe I'm not sure because um, there was. Oh, man, I can't even. I can't even remember all of the. PlayLink initiative games, but that's okay. The last thing I have on the list is uh, the PSN name change beta has started up some controversy as people are really uh, finally realizing the very issues that Sony warned of. This is not surprising at all. Players who change their name could potentially lose access to the purchases, save progress, and still potentially have your original ID show up publicly uh, depending on the situation. They did work in a feature to where if you have these issues, you can revert back to your original ID which should remedy them. Uh, But it does lead to ask, and I really think this is interesting why did sony even feel it necessary to give in yeah like what considering that this was going to have a huge potential for problems for the majority of their user base it's not worth it it's just strictly not worth it i mean it's a lose-lose situation right because here's the thing well out of really true curiosity how do you feel like they could win with this because the only upside I potentially see to it which we've already kind of seen is that they did have a small well, no, I'm just saying, burst of good PR I'm just saying you're not necessarily going to lose if you can revert back and revert those changes like <laughs> purchases locked and stuff like that so I'm in a lose-lose situation for Sony uh, as a whole they're doing something that has a high chance of getting people to look at them in a very negative light 
and then they were trying to win over the people who were really complaining about it, which neither one of us have ever really talked about. That, I know, I, and and about it. That's why I think it's interesting though, because like, okay, my thing about uh, crossplay, and they went so long doing this crossplay. But they eventually gave in. But crossplay makes more sense because there's not as many negatives in terms of immediate negatives like this um, as there is for something like this. The thing about this is that both of them gave them good PR when they finally spoke up on them. Of course. But the thing about the crossplay is crossplay is just more of a business decision. In the long term, it may hurt some of their numbers, but it looks good on PR and it continues to look good on PR. This only looks good on PR in the days prior to it coming out. Even though they warned properly of it, it's... the same culture that tends to attack one thing because of uh, that's small also praise one thing because something small. So it's easy to go, Sony's doing great. And then the problem with that is that the, the incredible flip that's going to happen is you're going to have a bright, bright because of that. As soon as somebody has a problem and this goes crazy, what have you seen? Everybody turns sour and goes, oh my God, Sony made a stupid decision. Why are they doing this? This is messed up. Can't believe they're doing this to their users. But this is why I say... It's not necessarily the fault of the people who are asking for it. I think it's the fault of Sony for not doubling down and going, look, we need you to understand why we cannot adequately do this and why we are opting out of doing it. And, and go, hey, look, for us to adequately do this, we want to explain why, it, why it's a problem to begin with and why Xbox can do it so easily but why we can't. We made this decision early on. It's been 10 years since we made that decision plus, but we can't do anything to back out of that decision because we are where we are and we're the biggest people. We're the biggest console right now. We have the biggest platform and the most people online. So for us to do that would require us to completely launch a new service, which would require us to bring PlayStation Network down to adequately fix this or relaunch the service and still potentially make you lose all of your trophies and all your purchases. And that it's too much work for us to adequately pull this off. So instead we're going to, we're going to put our foot in the ground and say, look, we understand that it's unfortunate that this is a problem, but we can't do anything about it. And, And I think that, Honestly and truthfully, they should have done that because I think saying, not even saying silent, I think coming out with one statement and then going silent after that and just going, look, we have a public statement on on this now. This is what it is. We weighed all of our options. It was too much negative to to outweigh, the negative outweighs the little bit of positive that's there. So what we're going to do is instead stick to our guns and say, this is what we believe uh, and we feel like this is the best for the majority of our customers, even if in the moment they don't feel like it. And we're going to stick to our guns here and then leave it alone. And I think that they would have had a much better time because of it. I, I agree somewhat. I do think that for those that don't know, play, uh, Podcast Beyond, like the original most, the, the, probably the greatest, no, not probably, it is probably the highest watch PlayStation podcast ever. Right. Uh, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. Those numbers compared to PS. I love you, but like I do know that it's still ongoing. It's still with one of the biggest gaming websites in the world with IGN. Um, I don't know if they still do this, but I know back in the day when uh, Greg Miller and Colin were on, they would always do the section, the section at the very end about uh, the name change and like basically what was your name, why did you create it, and then, like things you got made fun of for because of it, and kind of a mixture of those. So. I do think there is a group that does want to change because it's those people who but submitted that. They absolutely do. And I I'm not I don't want to say that they, they don't exist and I'm not saying that they shouldn't have that I don't think what, what I'm saying is that what Sony they, what was at stake. Exactly. I think that yeah, I don't the think people Sony did a good job a, a good enough job of clarifying what was at stake. 
Yeah. In the beginning. Well, they really did clearly say that these are the issues, but well, the well, thing not, is, not is when that, John Layden announced it at PSX. He didn't say No, no, no. But when that. they finally, all he said at PSX was, we're working on stuff to hopefully have something. When they finally came out with their official he statement. He should have disclaimed it right there. Like, but we don't maybe, know maybe how he didn't, well it's going to work. Maybe he, maybe he didn't know enough yet to yeah, be able to clearly say it. But any kind of massive advancement in a company like this should, like, you, it should be on the person who is obviously a fan of that per- company to know, like, hey, this may not work out the way I'm thinking. Well, but at the same it's, time, it's the way it was announced, plus the way it was handled, and then the, the positivity, even the mention of it at E3. Um, it's one of those things that's at E3. Yeah, didn't they mention it at E3? At not the that table? I was aware of. I thought they did. Not that I was aware of. Okay, they, I thought I, I, thought, I could have missed it. I thought after the Last of Us thing, they they when they were outside of sitting at the table, they mentioned it, but I could be wrong. Um, but I do think that when when they announce something like this, or when they are, it's better to be overly cautious about. Yes, and then I that, agree, and that's that's what I always said about crossplay too. Like, hey, you guys, you know, Fortnite's crossplay, but we're, we're looking forward uh, to seeing you guys until the end of this gen crossplaying with Fortnite. And then we'll reevaluate whether or not exactly. You know. You're very clear. You're very concise on what you're talking sure. about uh, these announcements. And I do think that they almost. But it's those, hard to set expectations because. Well, it, it, it depends, though. It, it's not hard to set expectations if you're very, if you are 100 percent concise to the T about it. The reason it's hard to set expectations is because not everybody is up to date. Here's the thing: Sony made a big. PlayStation blog update about it and had all the information that really was there, including these potential problems. Right, but here's the problem. Not everybody sees that. Not everybody... Here, here's the way that information spreading works. The basic, the most basic piece of the information is what spreads the quickest. So the, what ended up spreading is people going, guys, we're going to be able to change our name yeah. change. So people got excited about that. And that's why it looks even worse on them is that it looks so good for the people that didn't already know that they had built in the, the, the expectation of, hey, it may not work out right. And if it doesn't, because this, this goes to show, even Blake, right? Blake doesn't mess with PlayStation. Uh, he doesn't have one anymore. Uh, so when we were talking about it, he was unaware that they even had a, a feature to revert back to your old ID because he's hearing these things through the grapevine. He's not hearing it the same way because he's not as into what PlayStation is doing in the same sense, which is fine. It makes yeah. sense for someone who's in his position, definitely playing Xbox. But there are people who love PlayStation who still don't keep up with Bleeding Edge and News that much. So what they hear instead is, or they see a headline and go PSN name change is coming, and then they don't read the article, nope. and instead they just go, great, we're going to be able saying, to change our names. Yeah, I'm not trying to say like he, he jumped on that and didn't realize it. But sure. and I, It's the way information travels, which is why it's, exactly. it's up to the company to deliver a concise way on why it shouldn't but even if you do like, up like that but even if you do you can't control the fact that people are always going to take the simplest part of the message and spread that I mean it's just how it goes and it's it's an unfortunate I think, way I think the PSX announcement was a mistake I think that that's a, a reasonable argument I, I, I mean I do I think that the way he brought it up I think it was only for hype at that point because there was no, I don't think well, they, they didn't know what they were getting into at that point here's it's the thing clear just to be, and then we'll move off of this so we don't spend too much time on it, but what was interesting is that before that is when the rumors of that basically lead us to where we are now started about it being a nickname that goes on top and, and games will have to be coded in a way that they see that, it. Not so much rumors. that uh, People familiar with the way the architecture of the online 
system well, for but these were PS or Sony works. These were developers saying that they were be, they were getting contacted about this new way of developing the games and coding it to where it looks instead of for your your ID, it looks for your nickname. So they and that was 2016 or may, maybe early 2017. So this was before the Last PSX year, 2017 yeah. even happened that we heard these rumors. So this is something that Sony's been messing with for at least two years, if not more. Right, and the so, hardcore fans kind of knew about that, which is why. Like, so that's why I don't. I don't. Their announcement should be have been tailored more towards those fans that are more likely to know about it than the people not because then that gives them the backbone of the and I'm not going to say niche group because at this point hardcore fans on PlayStation outnumber uh, probably Xbox and Switch combined I would think but I don't know they're both going pretty fast at this point but I do think that the way they should have said it at PSX is like you guys have been wanting name changes by this time next year we're going to have some information for you guys about name changes but we want you guys to know we're working some kinks out. This doesn't come at a potential loss, but you're going to have to stay tuned and we'll let everyone know. They should have been very cautious about the way because something tells me either A, they did not know the way this was going to work when Sean announced it in the first place. I think that they just weren't sure enough that there were going to be this many negatives. They might have thought that there was a way to code around That's it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they, but, they did not know that these potential problems are going to happen or B, they did know and they were just doing it for the hype factor to end off the show. I don't know. I think it's also the nature of PSX. It's less. It's it's, it's the people there though. That's the hardcore fans I'm talking about. I, I agree, but I think PSX has got such a laid back nature that you can make more nonchalant sounding comments, and you can at a big stage Not like E3. Day and age. I mean, I will agree. Announcement can get blown out of proportion. Sure, but I agree. But I think when you're there in the moment, and you can, and you say it like that. But then I again, think that's the problem. Though. It got caught up in the moment. Maybe I don't. Well, know. Maybe that maybe it all is that way. Then and again, I'm sure it's all. I'm sure they they do a. a a trial run anyway Actually, I, yeah well yeah which is well, I mean who knows maybe they didn't know Greg was going to ask that I feel like they probably did they, I mean I'm sure they screened all the questions with Greg and who and knows before. Yeah, who just, knows? just for a clear and you know two-sided argument I don't care about name changes at all um, me either if you can change them and it works on do it if you can't then whoopsie daisy for the people that want it, awesome. Uh, yeah. that's, that's what I've been for. It's kind of like I was with crossplay. I don't stand in any particular side of it. I just see the benefits to Sony not doing it, not because of I don't want someone else to have that benefit. I just I think that this is going to hurt Sony more. And you got to the business has to keep some sense of self preservation. I do think though that this, if launched, because have you seen the screen? Like when you go into it on the beta, it's a big red screen that tells you this. Oh no! Okay, but it's that's a good. Big red screen. It's like, hey, don't do like if you do this. This is all the stuff. I do think that, of course, uh, the first one's free, but then after that, it's ten dollars, right? Or is it five? Five for PS Plus, ten for non PS right. Plus. So, which is crazy because why would you change your name if you don't have PS Plus? Because you can't really. There's very select games you could play online. But, anyways, maybe you're just not happy with it. But, anyways. Um, Maybe you don't have PS Plus at that it moment. It is a potential revenue stream for them. Um, and I can't imagine That's hundreds true. of thousands of people who are going to pay. But then again, it's going to be free for the first time. But you know, if they pay to get it done again or if they mess up, then there is that chance of them making tons of money off of this. It's just the negative PR that comes with it. And it's well, just a general word of warning when you do it that there is very potential risk. It's almost – So I actually saw somebody uh, – But that's what I'm saying. As a business model, that's going to slow down as soon as people realize all the all the problems. So it's not really going to – It's by not doing it, they're not missing out on a stream of income because they'd have a very limited stream of income before it got to the point where people were like, I don't want to risk losing my game, so I'm just going to keep my 
name. Yeah, and I, I saw. And then it would slow down and stop. See, now I'm sure Xbox having it there, and since it's so easy on Xbox because of the way they did everything, I don't think it's free on Xbox either. It's not. Okay, it's ten. I, I think the I, I think the first one might be free on Xbox as well. Uh, and I think it's the same after that. It's ten dollars for everybody. I think it's only free that if you go with a suggested Microsoft name. But it's been ten years since I really hardcore played on an Xbox. I, I, when I make names, I'm generally happy. Like I, I give a lot of thought in the names I create for my IDs. Um, so I'm not ever really mad that I don't have my name. Um, but what I will say, and we could kind of wind this down with this, is that um, somebody compared it to a like I can't remember if it was Twitter, Reddit, wherever I saw it, YouTube. Um, somebody compared it to routing an Android phone. You could get some benefits out of this if you do it right. There's always risks that come with it, though. And you got to know the risk. And it is a very, it, you know, if, if you have all digital games, this is a very hardcore risk for you to take. Yeah. And I'm glad you can revert back to maybe potentially save that library of games that you could just throw down the, you know, the hole. Um, any final thoughts? Or are you pretty much done? No, that's that's pretty much it. I just think it was a weird situation for Sony, and I, I still think that they would have been better off not doing it. So that's just kind of where I land for now until maybe I get more information as to why they felt these, the need to go these, forward. These kinks and bugs are worked out when it's not the case. <laughs> if possible. If that's possible, yeah. And maybe that's the point of the beta. Maybe the beta is to see what's exactly, like, what, when you do it, what happens, that we can follow the line and then maybe subvert that. And, that, and that's very possible. And I'm like, like we said, we're all, I mean, I'm for it. Like, go for it. I'm not against it. I don't, I mean... I'm I'm caught in the middle way more so than I was with crossplay, but reader mail time. Reader mail time. For those that don't know, reader mail is the weekly segment of the show when, in which you guys ask us questions and we answer them live on air. Can we get a little horn and go? Yeah. Oh, that's fun fancy. Submit your questions on our Facebook group Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast or our Twitter at Triangle S Q R D, where you guys will see a reader mail tweet or post go up every Wednesday and every Friday. We take two from Twitter, one from Facebook, and we go ahead and answer those. This week's a little different because we have we have a couple more just because that one's relating and then one was reader mail. I mean, the drop, but uh, one is actually relating very similar to another question. Uh, but if you don't, if you don't hear your answer, your question answered, do not fret. We will answer them on the reader episode that premieres every single Friday. Uh, no, not every single Friday. Every I don't know what's going first. on with me right now. Every first Friday, the first Friday of every month. <laughs> so you're gonna, you guys are gonna see it on uh, what is it, November second? Yeah. Um, so, Leah wants to know, what draws your, uh, your most interest when a new IP is shown? Wording is very important here. He says shown. So, I'm going to use this to say, Reveal. most of the time, a new IP is shown without gameplay. So, with that, it has to be visually, how stimulating is it to me? Does the nature of what the subject matter is interest me so like the order one of the main reasons that the order spoke to me is i like that victorian era london thing and then they they showed off enough in that thing to go okay there's some kind of a steampunk element here though we don't know how deep and then we kind of got word about the fact that it was probably werewolves and that's what it looked like and it was very eerie so visually it stimulated me the lore sounded interesting to me and the idea around the game sounded interesting to me so all, all at once i was like this is why i'm excited for this game uh and then you have I'm trying to think of other examples of new IP when you go and you're like, I just, I don't know about it. But I mean, I tend to look at when I'm looking at something like that, how does it make me feel as a basic? Cause you're not, you don't have enough gameplay. I guess the one thing you say is that you can kind of guess gameplay based off of what they show. Like if you looked at devil may cry, I, let's just say the devil may cry five wasn't devil may cry five. And instead it was just a devil may cry. It was, it was a new series. New, new and IP they were like, completely. Hey, here we are. But you saw that. I'd be like, okay, this is probably an action game. 
This is probably going to have to where you run around and to some extent you're hacking and slashing. So what goes on from there? And then you kind of go, well, that interests me because I like those types of games. So my basic interest is there. Where it evolves on that is is you know up for grabs, and then go from there. But uh, which one's for you? Up for crabs? In terms of like how I'm saying. Did you say up for crabs? For grabs. I swear you said crabs. <laughs> but uh, it's almost the same. So uh, another good example for me is uh, um, Shadows Die Twice, uh, Sekiro. Yes. Because it was originally revealed at last year's uh, 2017's Game Awards, and it was just a very close snippet of a trailer where you saw From Software pop up on stage or on the screen, and then you saw a bone twisting what is in a mechanism. You know nothing about it, and stuff like that is actually my favorite because the mystery behind it is—it's—it's it's so cryptic. Yeah, and that's—and then when you finally see the reveal trailer, you're like that's actually really cool. You know, you get hyped about it because you're excited to see what it is more so than if you want it. Like I'm just excited to see what the the gameplay is. And I think the more basic answer that we we skimmed over real quickly is, and it it falls in line with that. You know that the real reason that you were that excited for it, despite the cryptic message, is because, because it's from software. Yep. So there exactly. is a you have a personal you know relationship with a developer. You build a pedigree in your own mind of what they can do, and when you hear about them, that's exciting. So yeah, I think that's the most basic reason. That's what excites you. They show a new IP, and then all the other stuff happens, and are you know they do it different ways. Sometimes they'll show a whole new trailer, and then only put from software at the end, or they'll put from software at the beginnings. So it'll catch your it, attention, it draws you, and in. then you're like, whoa! So kind of like um, I forgot what the name was that PSVR game made by uh, Daracene. Um, yeah, Daracene. Uh, it's kind of like that where you, you, we're not entirely too sure what it is yet. I mean, maybe now. I no, they, yeah, they are. They've clear. They clarified in terms of the way it's going to be. Okay, so, but they have to clarify if it's in Bloodborne's world or not. No, but they never clarified. I know, but that's the fun part about watching a, yeah. a new IP reveal. Like, to be the theories. To be honest, if they if they confirmed it, would you be a little like? It's more fun to be like maybe it is anyway, and they just don't want to say it. Yeah, that's and that's kind of the, it's the theory guessing and the and the theories behind it all. That's really fun too. True. Um, all right, next question uh, comes from Mr. Steve Bitto, and then a little addendum by Josh. It says the Fallout seventy six beta is getting hammered. Fallout four was disappointing. His opinion, but I think that that's actually a, it's it's a weird. I'll get there. The rate like Fallout Four would be like a seven. Well, here's the problem with Fallout Four is it was disappointing to a lot of people, but it's also the best selling Fallout game and the best selling Bethesda game, which is not good news. So if you if you did not like it, one of those things. But is it time for Bethesda to STFU? If you don't know what that means, then I don't know how to help you and make better games. <laughs> um, he says, not talking about the publisher, just Bethesda Game Studios. He wanted to clarify that. And then the secondary part of that is Josh Ayers saying, what are your thoughts on Fallout 76? So by nature of answering Steve's, I think we're going we're gonna to probably answer Josh's. Um, so with that said, Fallout 76 is such a mixed bag for me because the idea doesn't even sound good to me personally. Uh, but I... I like to keep an open mind as much as possible. So with it, I was like, you know what? Maybe that maybe they know something we don't. Like they they play tested this. Obviously, somebody somewhere who's a Fallout fan said that this is a good right. Fallout Four may not have been a great game. I still played it and beat it. Yeah. I, I didn't play. I didn't do anything out for, outside of that. So that's an issue because the thing about Bethesda games leading up to Fallout Four was that as soon as I was done with the story, I would continue to play another hundred plus hours somewhere else in the game. What is my easy go to answer for this always involving games similar to uh, uh, sequels like this is that it's not a good Fallout game, but it's a fun game. Very, uh, yeah. very easy out. I mean, it's 
when you look at it at a core, Fallout Four is is as a game without attachment to the Fallout universe is very solid as a as a post apocalyptic open world survival style game. The, the story is pers- somewhat lacking. Per- perspective is everything. Yes, if this yeah. was not a Bethesda game, if this was not a Bethesda Game Studios game, and if it wasn't a Fallout game, it'd be pretty solid. There's- Actually, yeah, I'd say both of those things true. If this was made by a different developer and it wasn't part of the Fallout series, you would honestly probably go, "This is a pretty good start." Oh yeah, which but it's sad because this is the seventh Fallout game, sixth Fallout game. Yeah, it depends on whether you count the Brotherhood of Steel PS2 game. So I'd say it's probably seven. It may be six. I'm counting that, and I'm counting New Vegas technically. Yeah. So we have we have one, two, Brotherhood of Steel, three, three, New Vegas, Vegas. and then four, and then this one will be the seventh. Yeah, seventy six will be the seventh. Hmm. So I don't. In terms of like, is it time for them to just start making better games? I don't think their games are bad i think their worlds can be bad and well and it's make better games as to what we know their potential is well, that's, that's that's the crazy thing that's though, what it comes down to because it's in the context do, of other releases do we know what their potential is though yes get okay give me a bethesda game that launched in this past decade that did not launch buggy well that's that's a whole other scale because no 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 hold on, i'm with what you're saying but in terms of what he he didn't say that fallout 4 was disappointing because it was buggy he no, said it was I disappointing but I'm so saying, on the base level yes they are buggy though. and it's i'll give very, you that it's a very core it's a very close correlation though of like these games they launch unpolished sure so, okay. but here's the thing just despite the fact that that skyrim actually launched at a worse state buggy wise than fallout 4 did skyrim is still a better game that's true but it's still in my opinion i mean you know everything's subjective but in terms of general reception too i feel like more people are still warm on skyrim even though they've played it a million times the joke isn't that it's a bad game it's that we've they keep releasing it yeah and my big thing though is that make better games like it's kind of weird because in my eyes all of their games in terms of quality are almost the same When, when i walk away from a bethesda game i'm not really like it's it's weird when I'm said and done, I compare it to other ones in my head, and I'm like, that's better than that, and it's not quite as good as this one. But then, a year later, that changes. Because I look back on it again, and it's a little different. It'll always be that way. Uh, but that's because you contextualize everything with what you recently played. Yeah, within that time frame. And it, and it still messes me. But here's, here's what I will say. I carry my experience with Morrowind oblivion and skyrim all with me and i still fondly remember all those to be dead honest with you as a fallout fan in general i don't fallout 3 is not a great game to me it's a good game i I fallout new vegas is a better game by far but even with i I keep forgetting you never played it no no i played it for like six hours but you didn't beat it yeah Yeah. that's what i I mean i don't know if it was six hours uh but my point being is that you did that uh, so, but you have that game, and it was a better game, but it's still really not a great game. I don't think that Fallout's been great since Bethesda's had it, to be honest. Well, and, and I think that some of that comes from the fact that the Elder Scrolls is their series. I think those they are started the words. it. Here's what I will say, and I mean, sure, it can be fighting words. Well, I don't when care. it comes to Fallout uh, Seventy or not Seventy Six, New Vegas specifically. Well, New Vegas is a great game, but that's it, it's it's not to me what they were able to pull off with Morrowind, Oblivion, or Skyrim. And the reason why I say it that way, and the reason I say I don't think that Bethesda does a good job of the Fallout series, is that it's not their baby. No, and that's the, the and problem. you see that with people getting mad about the Fallout seventy six having story things that supersede other things, and then them having to try and come in and retcon and do all these different things that are trying to make it right. Is that the lore is handled in such a different way because they came into a series that had already been established and they changed everything about it. Oh, man. Why can I not think of the original developer's name? It starts with an L, doesn't it? I thought, I thought it was Obsidian. 
which is who, oh, who made New Vegas, uh, oddly enough. I may be wrong oh, on is that. It? I really um, thought it was. But in my mind, I'm really curious as to with like they've announced like what three mobile games at this point now? Two. Two mobile games. For uh, what, Fallout? No, or no, what? just for just for just for this. Black series. Isle Studios. That's who it was. That's yeah. A, Obsidian and Black Isle always make me think of each other, but Black Isle was the ones who did it. Yeah. But um, I'm really surprised they have not made a Fallout game for phones. That is a new isometric style game as it used to be. That is the same strategy because core. it makes more sense in that style on a phone. Yeah. In terms of the current I market, play, I would not play a game like that on console. PC, yeah, I I eat it up on PC. Sure. Um, but my my big thing is is that I don't think their games are inherently bad um i do think that there is a big problem in the way that they rely on the community to um uh, play their games and, and almost quality control check them did you see the most recent tweet they did where it's basically like hey guys this game's coming out there's gonna be problems you gotta let us know what these problems well, are it was the beta so it was no, him- they're talking about the base game oh but the beta had the same note oh, okay. what's the, the the note for the beta it was, was yeah. look here's the beta we know with a game of this size and scope and definitely with it being new online and we haven't had as much experience there there's gonna be bugs and they can be anything so we want you to come back now here's the thing i get what they're trying to do they're trying to own it they're trying to come out they and, and own they're the story. Trying, trying and here's the important of the curve when it comes to games like No Man's Sky. Regardless of the fact that it's going to happen, my elbow. Sorry, but regardless of the fact that it's going to happen, they already know it's going to happen. Here's the thing: they did not give any kind of warning with Skyrim, and it came back to bite them hard. See, my, that's crazy too. Because if you set the expectation, you go, "Look, guys, we're also lying." You get the player base to feel like they're helping shape the game to an extent. It's it's obviously going to throw some people off. It's going to be like, "Whoa, the game is so bad that you feel like I need to help you make it better." Because that's a I'm not a game developer. Okay, so that that's my big problem with it is that they're treating this game upon a full sixty dollar release as an early access title. You play this game, we'll fix it. Report what's wrong. I don't like that. That is a very unethical game developer personality, in my opinion. I do want to say that's because this is based off of what I've seen. I did not see a tweet where they said the base game is going to come out and still be super buggy. Now, that doesn't mean it's not going to be true. I'm I'll, sure that's true. I'll pull it up real quick. But um, I, here's the thing. I could not imagine them making that statement because that's a bold statement. Because you are right at that point. It does feel, I just feel like if that's not true, then you're slightly over-sensationalizing it. Not saying you are, I just want to see it. No, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, and that's my biggest for, thing. For those that don't, oh my gosh, why is that so small? See, that was the one that I read about the beta. Okay. This is not talking about the final game. It would be a very bold statement for a studio to come through and a, and a publisher to come through and say, hey guys, we know that our games are like this. Uh, we want you to go ahead and pay the $60. And no, no, Don't get me wrong. That doesn't change the fact that it's probably true, but to make the statement is ballsy. No, it literally says it right here. Usually years after development, we finally finish, release the game, and take a break. With 76, we feel we have not finished, but reaching a starting line where all the new work begins. They literally just said this game's not finished. Okay, but you're still taking what they're saying. It's not out of context. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me finish and tell you, let me finish and tell you what I'm saying about that. End quote, by the way. In the same thing about that. What he's saying is that by the nature of this being an online game that will continuously do stuff, it'd be like it's like Bungie. Destiny traditionally made a, I mean, a Bungie traditionally made a game and then walked away. So they made Halo Three. They do the online and then they basically kind of be like, well, the online's there. We're going to take a break. Well, Halo Three had non-online components, 
but it also had an online component. This game is entirely online. You can't play it without being online. So what they had, the, the difference between this, it'd be like if Bungie said, hey guys, we're releasing Destiny 2, and then we're going to not work on the game at all for the next three months. So whatever problems are in the game, you can expect them to be there for the next three months while we take a break. What they're saying here is that the nature of this game is automatically so different from a single-player storyline where it's not surrounded by things, and then they make decisions based off of it. This is a game that going into it, they're aware that, hey, this can launch with any number of problems, definitely because it's online. And we saw Diablo 3 do the same thing where it launched and didn't even work the first day because servers couldn't handle it. There's servers, all these other yeah. problems. Before server testing was So thing. basically what they're doing here is they're saying, this is an online game that's continually going to evolve. We know that going into this, this is not the end of a game that we then later support with DLC. This is ongoing development past the... Because Destiny 2 is essentially that. Destiny 2 is a perfect... the base game was finished. Sure. I'll give you that in terms of and the... And it wasn't that... It was, I don't remember any bugs. Is, is Fallout 76 going to have a traditional story at all? No. Okay, I didn't think so. So again, it changes the thing. It doesn't thing. have NPCs at all. How do you word the what constitutes finished in a game? And that, that that's a it, it's a it's a loop for them. It's like a catch. I'm it, trying to think of it. They're, they're trying to make it sound to me Go like for they it. are pre-apologizing that this game is going to launch and it's not going to be optimized. It's not going to run well. It's going to have bugs, and it's your responsibility to help report them because I'm, they haven't. In my, and they have it, and they say this here, where they say that we know we're opera, or opening up everyone up to this new spe- or new why we know we're opening everyone up all of this new new performance. Oh my gosh, what spectacular is issues none of us have encountered. No, well, okay, that, yeah, new. Uh, it's just weird wording. What new spectacular issues none of us have encountered? What spectacular issues? I think you need new uh, glasses. I do, well, no, this mic's also thrown on my peripheral. Uh, some of which we're aware of, such as areas where performance needs to improve with a lot of players. Others we surely don't. We need your help finding them and advice on what's important to fix. We'll address all of it now and after launch. So this, to me, is them coming out and saying, like, hey, there are problems we're not aware about. Let us know. We're going to work on them. Sure. But it's coming at a $60 price tag. Sure. And, and again, I'll give you that. But one thing I like that they put in here, which is important, is what is most important to fix? That does not matter to them. Hold on. They, they're not going to fix what's most important to you. They're going to fix what's most important to the game. They're, what's most important to the, the vocal community as a whole. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to do it, but it's the intent in the messaging that they've given. Look, all I'm saying here is that this is a naturally different game than what they've had. I get that by nature of that, there's a lot of different things they're going to have to do. They're going to have to support the game in a different way. They do have the loop on their side of what constitutes a finished game when the game doesn't have anything that can be considered finished. If there's not a story and it's, it's all just supposed to be the world happens around you and that's that's what's fun about it, then there is nothing that you can use to constitute as the game being finished. Finished is wherever they decide that the I finish mean, line if is. If I pay $60 for a game and I'm having server problems day one, then frame rate problems day two, then crashing problems day three, that game's not finished. Sure. It, there's 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 fatal flaws with that purchase that I have made that have made the game unplayable. Therefore, the game should not have left development in that state. Now, sure, and and we don't know yet. That's that's basically it's what I'm getting already at. Already been reported with the the, the beta. Okay, but and, and we all know betas nowadays that, aren't the, the aren't. But beta betas. that is the point of a beta to an extent is to go. Definitely on a game like this. That's no, normally what they use a beta for. Uh, we saw it with Soul Calibur, right? Soul Calibur Six. This thing was. This is a network test. This isn't even a traditional beta. Which is All we're really doing is giving you the game so that we can go, hey, what is this network test? And that's I, I get that, but that's the point. The beta goes through this. They get to see, and they, okay, 
just to flip it on something else, Call of Duty Black Ops 4 right now is having massive problems with the servers, and people are pissed about it. They fixed that finally. Okay, well, great. But But it had yeah. And that's my point. So somebody played $60 for a game that's online only, so it's a very analogous game. It's a a game that's online only that's going to continue development because there is no story. There's nothing to fall back on. Right, but that's one flaw, though. Sure. They fixed with weeks of release where... Sure, but what I'm getting at is that, again, we know that for a fact now. We've seen it come out. We know the game launched that problem. You are somewhat putting the cart before the horse by saying, "I." and don't me wrong, I do generally believe that this game is going to launch in a terrible state. Well, I, we For sure. You basically know because of the type of game it is. Also, the pet, the, the studio has a, a, a habit of releasing games that have problems. Well, now, but until we know what those problems are for sure, and until the game's released, I, don't, I feel like it's... You can you can use it as speculatory, but you're coming at it and attacking it almost like it's already happened. It like it, like it came it's out in the beta. There's no way they're. That's fixing not the final release, problems. man. No, that's just the that stuff they say. That is not the final release. That's the stuff they say to make you hope that the final release isn't that bad. I just feel like you're being incredibly. There's absolutely no way you could optimize an MMO like that four weeks before it releases. Oh, so it's an MMO, but Destiny's not. We got countless problems I mean, we can get into with this. I'll say there's NPCs and in Destiny. Okay. There's so no what constitutes NPCs. an MMO apparently then? My point is you're you're still, just slightly over sensationalized. I'm not over sensationalized, and I like that you said I'm putting the cart in front of the horse when they are the ones they that are started too. this. And that's the problem. But they're also, like I said, they're they're that, as you, as you could that's tell, a PR statement. As you can tell, Josh, I'm not excited for Fox 76. Me either. I, but I also never pre-ordered it. I was only going to pre-order it to get the stupid power helmet because I think the power helmet's cool. That's my biggest problem, though, is they come out at, at a sixty dollars price point. You have Spider Man, you have Red Dead, you have well, God of War's forty dollars now, but was sixty. Sure. You have these games that are coming Detroit out. Detroit become human. All these Detroit. games. You have all these games that are coming out at this price that are so well optimized that are finished games that have rare, if any, bugs and crashes. Um, and then you have this game that comes out at the same price. Doesn't have a story mode. It's left up to you and friends to play this game and experience it for fun. And the game experience is most likely going to be seriously flawed. And then it is up to sure. you to go to Twitter, to Reddit, to Facebook, wherever it may be, and tell Bethesda, hey, the boss that's over there in that one part of the map doesn't work. Or report it through their website, report it through the game. That's not the gamer's responsibility. There's an inherent flaw in the way that thought process is from when a developer puts that out. Now, if they said, this is early access, the game is $60, but this game, this is not the official release. If you buy this now, in one year, you're going to get the full release with all problems being looked at and worked on. Perfect. So the, the price is the problem. The messaging the is the price, and the message of this game is the problem. But you just said if they came out with it being sixty dollars, but said you'll get the full game later. Right. Well, the price. I'm just, I'm just I'm trying, trying to understand about the your messaging argument. Messaging is the process, problem. So okay. like if because games like Ark have launched sure. at, at not full price, but they have launched at a higher price than what like forty games. bucks or yeah, something, right? Worth. Thirty something um, dollars, I guess. Yeah, and they they were very clear and very concise with what it was that you're getting into. And it gotta get some muddy waters too when you consider what is early access and what is a game that's just launching that's a work in progress or even a you could go as far as to say it a game as a service but at this point this is a the the context matters in which this is a AAA developer sure this is a developer that we've seen massive things from that is industry changing in certain certain gens that they have produced games in and I'll get into that in a second because I have something to say about that in particular and why we think so bad about them right now but. Well, and yeah, there, there's always the mean that goes with Bethesda, but but there's there's a way that you look at it, and it's very similar as to if you can name any developer, name any franchise they have done, and name exactly what they're doing with this, and if you put a sixty dollar price tag on that game, 
it would be the same response for me. It would be the same exact general outlook. That that is a very very flawed way of thinking when you are developing a game. This game feels rushed. This game feels like it was trying to capture the magic that E3 2015 had, where it's like Fallout 4. Here it is in three months, and that's basically exactly what they did to issue a note on your website for all your fans to read people think that other people are taking it out of context they're not they're literally saying this game is just a starting line and is not done they're 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 basically saying that the game is not the end product of what they probably envisioned it to be by this point so when i say real quick when i say over sensationalizing the reason i say that is i think that you are you are creating your own intent that they had behind the messaging when we can't truly know what their intent was now I get well, that there's a perception, you, I mean, if you and there and you can say at that point that it's not a it's not even a it's not quite necessarily a messaging problem as much as it's a potential perception problem, and that doesn't mean that it's your fault. What I mean is that the fact that the developer has the, has had these problems to such extent that it's easy for a, a large group of people to perceive this as the right, message they could it that's an know. issue. But then there's a problem in the PR stance of which in, in which you create a statement that can provide speculation that is negative. Sure. And that's the big problem they have there. And that's, yeah. And that's, and that's, I'm not going to get the game. Everything about the game looks clunky because the beta is simply at this point a network stress test. That's all it really is. Um, And they've even kind of made it a joke upon themselves because they made the beta that, what is it, the break everything? They made it an acronym of basically break the game so, you know. Yeah. Uh, which again, wrong. I, again, I actually think is a smart marketing move to get on top of it because you're because constantly know what it's going to launch as. Yes. Now, um, but that's, the more that they can control the situation and regardless of how it launches, uh, look, this is what I'll say. Essentially, uh, and this would be the end of this part, but I do want to get into something with Bethesda as a whole uh, in terms of a studio and why we view them a little differently now than we did, even though that nothing's really changed, but that's the problem. But regardless, um, I think what's going to happen here is as long as the beta does the job of making sure the game launches day one without server problems, and as long as you can get in and play the game as long as the rest of the game the bugs are not legitimately game breaking even if they're annoying as long as they're nothing What's game breaking though crashing as, as long crashing too far far too often yes a single crash if you play for 30 hours no. is not a big yeah, deal that's not a big that deal. just happens that happens in all games that i had it happen to me on god of war once spider-man did that to you yeah. once. so it's that you know you always have that one weird thing where for some reason you do the perfect thing that was just impossible to find to do, yeah and yeah it, it breaks the game for a second now but outside that's of that understandable that's that comes to territory now outside of that as long as the, and what i'm gonna say game breaking in is as long as you don't have anything that's like Skyrim level game breaking where stuff disappears so you can't continue missions and and uh, the game suddenly gets too big so you can't load your save accurately and stuff starts being weird and wonky that's more than a crash that is game breaking and there is very game breaking yeah and now that won't happen quite the same way because it's not a local save file I would imagine it's safe so as long as the game generally works, I think that the fact that it's launching in this state is is fine because they're trying to do something new and different. But moving on real quick, and then we'll move off of this into the really we, this is an episode of main topics at this point. Um, yeah, because I don't imagine the main topic will be as long as that. <laughs> I think it'd be interesting. I wish we had somebody who liked Japanese games even more than we do to talk about this. this. Would be a nice Liam call. It would be great. Him. It would be great. Uh, we'll, we'll have to do that later if, if this policy doesn't get reversed. We we'll have to do a bonus episode. Steve, let us know in Discord in our. Um podcast discussion thread what you thought about this and like what does it line up more uh does it line up more with my thinking compared to yours is it more similar to than brett's do you agree with what we're saying and that goes for not only steve who asked the question but for everybody now uh, hold on hold on because i still uh, uh, okay, i think that's right we're i think go. this one's interesting and i think that you actually may agree with me on this one because 
Okay, so Bethesda as a whole, and that's what he's saying, like Bethesda Game Studio. So we're not talking about the publisher, because the publisher puts out some fine games. Wolfenstein 2 was a Doom? well-made game, regardless of how it got received. Doom was, uh, Doom really was great. Well. Yeah, um, so Doom Eternal looks great. Uh, but it, it really does. When yeah. you think about who Bethesda Game Studios as a whole is, their games have always had these problems. More when, only one of them. Now, here's why things are different. They were, for the longest time, even going into PS3 and even leaving the PS3, one of the only people to do open-world games with the amount of detail they have. With the proliferation of open-world games with the new gen and the fact that nowadays with the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, it's used to throughout PS3 and back, open-world games would be far, few and far between, and they would come and they would break up all of the linear games. Nowadays, most games are releasing either full-on open-world or with a compartmentalized open-world in hubs, so they feel more open. So the thing is, competition in that space has gotten so fierce that because Bethesda has never changed really what they're doing from Morrowind all the way up to now, uh, this comes back to perception. The way we view them is different now because when they didn't have competition that was blowing them out of the water doing the same thing, it was easy to overlook the problems because they had yeah, a very the special game. Yeah, that's the only game that had that that offered. This now that we have in detail, now that we have The Witcher come out and The Witcher's got all the story and the side quests that you like from Bethesda. It's slightly different than the gameplay area, but it's like, okay, well, it's still a large game of a large scale, and it didn't have this many game-breaking bugs. It had bugs, had problems, but the developers were quick to address them. They were clear about messaging of, hey, if there is problems, we'll do them, and we're going to continue to support the game well after you think we would even be done with it. Anyway, we're going to redo the UI. The thing is is that we've seen other developers take it the extra step. Red Dead Redemption is a perfect example. No, man, Red Dead Redemption has got so much stuff going on that, yeah, like you mentioned that there's one bug about the dead zone if you are the acceleration if you go all the yeah. way up okay again so some things just make it by you can't do everything right um, no but game launches in a 100 perfect state but when you launch in a state like red dead or god of war did where the majority of the game as an open world works just, and you roll it through it works yeah but when you do that it makes when bethesda comes out with a game that's still broken it's like what are y'all doing that's so different and now i will still say this Outside of The Witcher 3, and I don't have enough time with Red Dead to say about it, so I'm going to leave it away from this part of the discussion. The Witcher 3 is one of the only other games I can think of that's as in-depth as any of the as any of the games that Bethesda's put out. I'll, I'll tell you right now, from what I've seen on Red Dead, it's up there with them. So, yeah. Um, but, so. you know, the thing about Skyrim and Fallout by, and Fallout even a little less than Skyrim and the Elder Scrolls games, is that Elder Scrolls games, you can literally touch everything. If there's a plate, you can pick up the plate. Well, you I can drag the plate, you can float it, you can move where the plate's at. That's a weird thing. Most games don't do that. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they get a pass, but as games continue to come out, Bethesda still do have, Bethesda Game Studios, they, the, the reason I'm excited for Starfield is that they have a unique gameplay style that no one else has done. Original, yeah, it's an original design. It's an original game by them. And it feels so unique. It gives like, a- the closest I felt to it, and even then it's not as detailed in terms of what you can do with the world, is Dishonored. And Dishonored's not going to come back around. It's still a Bethesda. No. It's, not a Bethesda it's a Bethesda game, but not a yeah. Bethesda Game Studios game. So when I say that, though, my point being is that the reason I'm excited for Starfield is and Elder Scrolls Six is because it's Elder Scrolls, obviously... There's that, but Star, yeah, Starfield's a clean slate, but it's also, they are unique games in their own right. But the thing is, is that that leverage that they used to have, and the, that, well, not leverage, what would you call it? That you used to give them a buffer of what you'd accept from them because they were unique. Whereas world, open world games come out and start to compete against what they're doing, even though they're unique, you start to take less and less. So I don't expect them to ever have bugless games. I just don't think it'll ever happen. I don't expect anybody to have bugless games. Well, sure, but I think you you have virtually bugless games. And I think that... 
I would say virtually bugless means that yeah. Again, I think from what I've seen of Red Dead, it's been out long enough, and other people played it. I don't think there's anything to, that. I think all of the bugs are. Uh, the only reason they're noticeable is because the internet proliferates bugs, the information. Yeah, they're not they're not like visual bugs. Yeah, I, like I said, I've said in Discord, I've rarely seen a frame rate, and that's because I was literally looking for a frame rate drop. But when, so, you, when you have big game studios like this, it's just it's very off putting to me. It doesn't want me? It doesn't give me any kind of optimism to buy the game or to treat their company the like the same, even though I have a history with that company and it's a very long and gratuitous one. Um, but for our last question. <laughs> We have our good, good friend Donovan. He says in Tribangled Squared, and I noticed you fixed the error. <laughs> in Tribangled Squared, a PlayStation podcast professional opinion, do you think Claudio Sanchez, the lead singer of Coheed and Cambria, for those that did not know, would write... Uh, would be perfect to write this story for the next major Destiny 2 expansion based on his existing works in the sci-fi universe. And there's more. So why and if not, explain. So I will say this, this stemmed from a conversation we had while playing Destiny uh, and we were talking about Coheed by nature. So the reason that this question is so interesting is that if you don't listen to Coheed and you don't quite know, um, it's more than just the fact that he's a singer. He's also the author and the sheer like world lore person who goes through uh, the entire Amory Wars uh, universe, which is what the Coheed albums are all based around and they tell a story. So it's not just the fact that he's got it in music. He also, what he basically does is he has his stories and he looks at a way to tell them in music so that he can tell them. Then he also puts them out in a comic series called the Emory Wars. Um, the comic series is not up to date with the music just by the nature of how he has to do it. But what I think is interesting about it, um, it basically came from a very loose discussion of what have we seen from them? Uh, I was like, okay, when you think about sci-fi and what they've done, I think it'd be really cool to go uh, let a creator play in an uh, in a genre they're used to, but in a world that's not their own. Right. And what are they going to do there? And the reason I think it'd be interesting, like I say, I think Destiny needs some kind of a shakeup. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that he would make a great story that would suddenly be the best story the game's ever seen. But I think... If I had to say he's the perfect choice, he's the perfect choice by nature of them reaching out to some weird area and going, here this is, here's an opportunity. And as long as he would take it, I think it's showing to let them have somebody else come in like they do with comic books. It's like, with this character, we want to see what you would do with this character instead. So we're going to let you write this next thing. And how are you going to do this? There's what they do with shows. You know, there's a different executive producer. We're going to let you take the character. Now, of course, this is still going to be canon. This is still going to be, but what are you going to do that differentiates the way that we play the character off in this thing? And I think that it'd be interesting to let him roll through and do that. So if you look at the stories he's already done, I don't think it's too far outside of the general idea behind what's going on. There's there's world-shattering things going on. This is very typical sci-fi stuff. So I think if you basically let him free and go, here's your character pool to work with. You can create a new character where you see fit, but he does have to play into all the rules that we've currently set up into this. Uh, and if they, and if you do break a rule, you have to write in a reason as to why it's going to break this rule that makes sense that doesn't feel like you're just retconning, but instead feels like you're peeling back a layer of something we just didn't know yet. And I think that if you can pull that off and let somebody do that who... The reason I think Claudio is interesting is the way he views stories and utilizes stories is different from somebody who does story writing for a more traditional medium because he looks at a story and takes it and then he learns how to break it up and tell it in a way that he can tell you a part of a story through a three-minute song or through an eight-minute song, whatever it is, and doing so in a way that, you know, you have an expectation when you're listening to music of what the lyrics are going to be. So the fact that he can kind of – when I say that, like what you expect to hear – 
in terms of the the structure and the writing of it and a chorus and how he's going to make that work out and where's the bridge going to come in and what information you're giving. Is there going to be a rhyme scheme? Right. You have all these different things. So I think that he automatically has to look at stories through a slightly different filter than a lot of people. Yeah. So letting somebody who does it in that all the time and it has a long history of doing it. It's very a unique thing to do as well. There, there are artists that do it as well, but just not as well as he does. Well, a lot of artists do one. A lot of artists do one, one album that oh, is a story, yeah. that is a concept this is album. A, this is literally it's his own cinematic universe told by albums. Yeah, and he's and he only, they've only done one album after twenty years of being a band or some ridiculous stuff. Maybe it's not twenty; it's like probably eighteen. Uh, it's pretty close to that though. But when you think about it that way, what it ends up two, coming down... 2018, that's 2000. Wow. I don't think it was 2000. I'm pretty sure the first album came out in 03. So if it's... So or no, 03. So 01, I think. Because 03 was... Not worth getting into. Enough years to go by to make me feel like old people. Yeah, right. but my point being is that he they've only recently, their album before the most recent one was the only one they ever did that wasn't a concept album. So it didn't have to do with the lore. The rest of the albums, including the new one they just did, are all part of the same universe. That's Donovan's favorite album too, isn't it? <laughs> yep. Oh, man. I knew the Color it. Before the Sun. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I think that's an interesting way to think about things. I I know that you listen to Coheed. I don't know if you ever got as into it as we did, to where you know the. I know the general like. Have I, you ever I, read any of the comics? Uh, yeah, I've read parts of the comics, and I've read a lot of uh, not summaries, but like footnotes. I, I know the general gi- uh, gist of the series, uh, and I understand it. Gist. Yeah, I don't know why Jeff Gift. I don't know what went there, what on there, but uh, I do. As far as Destiny goes, no. But I'll say why. Yeah, I, I, I have bigger plans for him for this. Oh, you want Mark Wahlberg to come in and do that next story, don't you? What if Mark Wahlberg was the voice of the ghost? <laughs> gross. Gross, but, uh, gross, anyways, gross. Anyways, we, we talked about it like 10, 15, 20 episodes back. Have him develop a sci-fi story. Have him develop maybe even Who? a trilogy. Claudio. Okay. Okay. Instead of, get, instead of limiting him to Destiny, because I feel like his spin on things would just not really fit into the Destiny universe that well. I'm sure he can allow it to fit in there, but I do. My flip argument to that side real quick. Go ahead and finish. Oh, I was going to say, what you want to do is you want to have him craft a trilogy story. Maybe even Amory Wars into a video game, but I don't want to do that. I want to do something completely original. You have it come straight from the depths of his mind. And you have it massive, you have it expansive, you have lore you can find throughout the game, and that is Naughty Dog's next sci-fi game. Oh, you wanted to go to Naughty Dog. Yep. Ooh, boy. All right. That's way better than Destiny, because I think that what he can lend to Destiny wouldn't work well in the Destiny universe, and I don't think it will work well in a first-person shooter. The reason I think it would, and this is actually Forsaken-based... The only reason this even came into my mind was because of Forsaken. And the way they flipped the story, they decided to actually go dark, killing somebody, yeah. really doing permanent death in this situation, which I have problems with that anyway. If, if this entire time, I don't, I don't want to get into it. In case you haven't Wait, played what? Forsaken, we'll talk about this after. But there's certain problems with the way they set up in terms of how they've portrayed it throughout the rest of the series that it feel, it, it's fine and Forsaken, but it doesn't make sense with the rest of the games that they've done. But I'm curious what this is because I think we'll, I might know. We'll it, talk about and it. I, and I know what it is. We'll talk about it. But with that being said, the the way they chose to go with it where it's dark and vengeful, it goes and, and like actually having loss and definitely what they did with Aldrin and the story going around there. I think that that goes far more towards the sensibilities of what I think Claudio is good at. He makes desperate worlds and he's really good at that. And he does it in a way where you can find these weird moments of light, but the overall thing always ends up, it always tends to be a darker world even by the end of it. So it's one of those things where in my mind, I think that Forsaken has now set the tone that Destiny would need for a Claudio expansion to work in because now we've already seen it somewhat be 
explored in terms of that that particular type of tone in the game. Well, and I do think somebody has made a really good fan theory of what is going to happen in Destiny Three, and I'm kind of gravitating to that because I really want that to. Are you talking about the rumors that happened where they're talking about the darkness? Well, it involves the darkness. I don't know about any rumors I've heard. We'll, we'll talk again okay. after this. But um, basically, what it sounds like, and the, and Callus in the raid of Destiny Two kind of made this the uh, a, a thing of that. You did not. No, I'm not going to spoil that. Just in case you're by Destiny. But anyways, it's almost like Avengers, where you're you're getting set up with people building this massive team of people like Osiris. Now you have Anna Bray, um, and now you're you're well. Don't really want to spoil that either. Um, but you have this whole te- team of people to take on this one enemy. I w- I'm so intrigued about what the darkness possibly is because in my head I think it's everything the the traveler has touched and left because that's how the traveler works. I have an even more interesting. Th- it's not a theory, but it's what I think would well, be I cool think to it's see. The Guardians. We'll, think, we'll see. Okay, but, I'll talk to you about my idea. It's also cool. I um, think, but I, I think that I like the way the direction's going in my head. I just can't picture Claudia doing it any justice is what I'm saying. But that's only if he followed your direction. See, I wouldn't want him to follow any direction. I would just want him to go like, here goes what you know exists. How are you going to play off of that moving forward? But in case you aren't interested in Coheed or any of that at all or Destiny, we spent a lot of time on Destiny this episode, so I apologize for that. Uh, But we are going to move on from that into the main topic, which is sadly Sony's new censorship policy that they are doing. Uh, And it kind of actually started from a series that was trying to come out over here and they've had to continuously push their release date back. Um, And they've they've had a lot of touches. So developers have actually been talking about Sony being very hard to work with lately in regards to how they want their their censorship to work. Now, at first, it came, uh, saw from, I can't remember the series it was, Sadly, it's, um, uh, is it not the hyper hyper Neptunia series? Maybe, but regardless, it was a series that had. Uh, it, it was only going to be a series that had come out over here plenty of times and had a relationship thing that built in. Uh, and even though they weren't really, it was still the same thing moving forward. They may have evolved it to a little bit, but regardless, it was the same basic idea of a mode. And this time around, the English side, so U.S. said no, we don't want that. So you're going to have to readjust the game for censorship. Well, now it's coming through. The new policy is looking that Jack. Japanese developers will have to censor the games not only for us in the Western regions, but also in their home country, which is ludicrous. It's nuts. Okay, so like, let me say this right now. You look at the Vita, and there is so many JRPG games that is this niche kind of lewd anime style games that honestly is one of the only driving forces keeping the Vita going to this day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And what I don't understand, and this is what really throws me off is that this kind of culture is very, very common in Japan. This is something people have I would to even understand. Say, I wouldn't even say common. I think that this is... Is the culture. This is very showing of a very upward culture. Like well, mo- there's, a, there's a lot of people in Japan that are... This is normal for them. So this is right. not uncommon. Definitely, if we want to go outside of that, let's just talk about game culture for absolute sure. Game culture in Japan has had this for so long. Well, and that's what people, they have to understand when going into a conversation conversation about this kind of stuff is that every part of the world has their own cultures that's not the same as yours it's not the same as mine it's different that does not mean you have to agree with it nobody is asking you to agree with it but that is a sense of a culture is something you should not ask to change 
Now, I'm going to go as far as to say that my thing about censorship in general is that why censor something when you can instead choose to either partake or not partake? And if you believe so far against what they're doing that you want to go out and exercise your right to fight against it, then you can do that. Not in the sense of censorship, but you can try and... It's interesting. Basically, you can just stop the developer from even going forward That's uh, by creating and walking around and giving reasons as to why you don't feel like this is an accurate thing, an adequate thing for people to be getting. And you can essentially have the market determine whether they're going to continue to be made or not. And you can kind of stop that stuff from coming just by getting people on your mental side. If you can get people to stop buying the games, they'll, they'll, still, they'll stop making them. But I don't believe that censoring them for the people that want to do that is an adequate way of handling that because instead what you're doing is you're taking away something that doesn't hurt other people, in my opinion. Oh, man. But where's, where's your, where, where do you stand on that in particular? I do think that you, you're, I mean, you're right. And that's the thing that goes with it as well is that I just want to know the driving force behind this. Honestly, I, I and I don't agree with it for America anyway. I understood, and it, man, people were mad about that first one for the game coming over to America that was going to be censored. Trinity. It wasn't that one. That was this is the newest one. Uh, but there's another game that was coming oh, out. Yeah, where it's like a ray of light. I don't. Of like it was some kind cleavage, of a image, right? It, no, it was something else. It was going to be that the whole game was getting delayed because of the fact that they had to go back in and change something in some kind of a dating simulator aspect of the game. But here's what it comes down to: people were mad and they were tweeting Sony and they were doing the same thing. Where every time Sony tweeted, they were responding with something like, I "Sure, wish my game was. Uh, oh, you're gonna do this? It's like you censored my game, dude. That's kind of how it was with crossplay. It was. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird tactic that they do, but it's an interesting one because in this particular case, I kind of I am more on their side um of regardless look in america i can understand why if this japanese game that's really based around the japanese culture is coming out over here and and it really it's just so against or maybe it'd be hard to even rate over here that you have to go okay well you know maybe you need to change this that's one thing if they were just changing and censoring due to america i would be Still, like to the point where I don't agree with censorship, but it makes more sense to to censor in Japan where these games are made for. Is, why is a terrible, terrible move? And here's the other thing that it does. It's okay. So one thing that you can do. Let's just say that they had moved forward and made it to where these games weren't going to come out in America in that style anymore because it was just getting hard to rate and sell. Right. All right. That happens. The it, market's still here's six hundred billion times bigger in Japan, anyways. But here's the other thing, though. People like Liam can instead opt to import the game from overseas where it's in, in, intact the way they wanted to experience it and experience it that way. But now, by making it to where the Japanese people are having to follow the same thing as you, you are essentially cutting that off and that option off. And more importantly, you're just you're you're messing with the gaming culture of Japan for no other reason than to apparently mess with the way it's going to go worldwide. I guess if this is trying to be, okay, maybe all games are going to go worldwide. If you make sure it's censored in Japan to fit us, or to fit America, uh, then when the game eventually goes over there, you don't have to do any more work on it. I don't know if that's for sure what they're aiming to do, but it's a weird stance either wise. And I think it's another weird stance of Sony putting on these weird boots of where they are in control of everything again. And, there are some telling. upsides to that, but there's also downsides. I feel like part of Sony's success this generation is because they have these games. And here's what the, here's the bigger thing. If these games get too hard to put on the PlayStation in the way that the people want them, and then people stop buying them, instead what they're going to do to get their their fans back is going to put them on the Switch. Yeah, and then that's going to be the problem, is that whatever system that is pro- predominantly featuring those games is going to die, like the memory card fiasco, and they're going to be like, why did our system die? Because you made a dumb mistake again. 
there's an inherent problem. Okay, I, I, I'm not following that. What, what do you the mean same, exactly? The same thing with the memory card of the Vita is one of the reasons it died. If you take these games away and a system dies, they're not going to oh, know who to blame. You're saying that the PlayStation died because of these, which it wouldn't. That's it, obviously... Obviously but, not. But I'm just saying if the PlayStation 4 decides to live on two generations because of these games, like the Vita is now, mm-hmm. and for this to have, this not been a thing or to stop midway through and then all of a sudden PlayStation sales dip because of this or just because all the active their active users and changed. And you would imagine that they, it would it dip would, in Japan. It would... More than anything. More, way more than anything. Yeah. And then, of course, the niche audiences here in America and Canada and UK wherever they may be it might be enough to drive somebody off the xbox so they go well the main reason i played the playstation is because they had these japanese games yeah all my waffles now yeah now now, gone now i'll go to switch where switch is now getting these games it's a it's a big problem when i don't know that nintendo would let these games happen either to be fair it's just saying the opportunity is there i am a very strong believer that it is a massive 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 and insult problem and insulting when you try to change control or censor someone's culture that goes for every culture on earth. Uh, I think that's, it's weird. I think the same is true when you try and do those things to somebody's artistic vision. That too. Because again, like I say, even if you, even if it ends up that you don't like their artistic vision, there are other recourses that you can do to, to do something about that. Or you can just choose to opt out of it because here's the thing. Some people are going to like it because maybe you're perceiving it wrong. Maybe it's not speaking to you a way it's speaking to someone else. Maybe you're thinking it's going to speak to somebody in a way that you don't agree with, but guess what? That's not for you to say. And that's why I think it's really interesting. Now, of course, if you want to do some kind of action and go around and go, I believe that this is going to do this to people. This is why I want to talk about it so that maybe I can get you on my side and we can stop it. That's one thing. I still don't necessarily, I mean, I just feel like that's the power of, you know, that's, that's the freedom we have in being able to roll around and kind of protesting something. We have that ability and and we can try and change the company's mind off of that. Uh, but I think that it's really interesting to take someone's artistic vision because it's going to stop a lot of games from even coming. Some of these games sell specifically on the fact of what they are. They're meant to be lewd. They're meant to be dating simulators where it's meant to be crazy. And that's what people buy the games for. And I feel like you're just killing a market essentially for no reason. Steam gets hundreds of these games a month. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's also an inherent problem. Now you're moving people completely out of console gaming onto PC if that's what they mainly want to play. Which is a very slippery slope because I'm going to say right now, if you stop console gaming and you go to PC and you enjoy it, you're not going back to a console. It's very rare. Somebody goes and digits console 100% and then goes to PC and enjoys it and then goes back to buy a console unless it's for strict exclusives generations apart is what I tend to find a lot of people yeah. I know who dipped out of PS2 went to PC they finally come back for PS4 yeah um, but now not maybe not because of these games but you get, you could probably make the argument because there's less of a barrier between what comes to Steam and what comes to consoles these days definitely on a PS4 where a lot of these weird Japanese games do make their way to PS4 yeah and, or Vita or you know whatever and so. of course with Games Pass Xbox being a thing on at PC now but the other thing I have a problem with is like the what is the point of the ER, ESRB in this situation? These games could be rated for a mature audience how they should be. What like what, what why remove them at all? This sounds this seems like Sony trying to control the marketing of how you view them as a company. This seems like somebody who's like wanting a, to be like, "Well, we don't want to be known as the company that supports these weird lewd sexual Games. Instead, we're going to be the company that supports these dark, killing people games, which, again, that just goes to show you that's a perception thing. How different is it really, honestly, to have a game where I'm killing thousands of people versus a game where I'm going and chatting up with this girl or guy and trying to get with them and they are dressed scantily? Okay. How's, which one's worse? Sony, you have a purple dragon as one of your mascots. You are not professional. 
<laughs> you need to stop this. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if this is for professionalism. I don't know what this is for. It's an odd decision. I mean, because obviously, obviously, that right there That's is really. It's like a puzzle you can't solve. Yeah, that right there is obviously being a little facetious with it. But I mean, realistically oh, no, very, very speaking, facetious. we don't know why this. And I feel like it's so. You talk about Sony needing to come out clear. There is no clear reasoning they've given for this. Well, and, he, and, and another thing is that if they if they're starting here with these games, where does it like, go? Where does it continue? Well, to go? I was gonna say not only that, but like I think that a lot of problems that these are small developers who can sit by the wayside and that Sony doesn't care. But my issue is is that you're gonna start here when you listen to me every week for two minutes to spout out a lot of bad games coming to the PlayStation from the drop. I can list four on the drop right now that have terrible looking art. Are I'm not saying all of them, but some of them are very low effort made. If it's supposed to be a quality control yeah, thing, if this is supposed to be a quality control thing, where is this going to stop? Like, is this is this going to stop just here? Is this because of your image? You don't want people associating that you, a Japanese culture coming from these Japanese style or, or a Japanese company coming from this Japanese culture? Like, I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. It's like if I was an American company and I said bad hamburgers. Like that's a thing. Like <laughs> you do in America, you eat hamburgers. People yeah. call us what is it? Um, oh man, it's like it's to insult the uh, obesity problem in America, and people say like burger lords or something. I can't. Oh, I don't even know about that. But more importantly, I think the farthest into this conversation that I want to get into is the problems with censorship in the, in the beginning. And this is why I say I don't think that you should censor someone's art. And this basically comes down to the only reason that I can see a company, and this isn't censoring, this is a company choosing to back away from a product because it's no longer commercially viable for them. And that's when games reach over the M rating into the adult only that, rating. Now that the adult sense. only rating is essentially gone because nobody wants to put a game out that's adult only because you miss out on a lot of teenage sales where gaming is doing very well. Yeah. Um, but which it still could be, I think people do that, but I still think that there is a, a niche market there for those kind of games. Well, there is, but you're going to see those on PC more than anything. Yeah. I'm um, not into those games. Neither am I. I'm not even really into these games. I just don't think it's fair to limit somebody's artistic scope, uh, the amount of money they take to develop these games. Uh, in the article, it says right down there on the bottom that this game could be released release on Steam today, but because of these delays, and I think it is. I don't. Regardless, yeah, they're, yeah, they're having it, to move it past yeah, New Year it, now. It was supposed to come out next week on Steam or, or something, uh, Monday or something, which is tomorrow, or you know, the day of this. You're listening to this, yeah, um, but. It's a big problem to me, and it's it's something that is worth fighting for. Like the the second you start censoring somebody because you don't think that your company goes with that, like if you work for that company, you're you're stuck. You know. Oh, it mentions it here by the way. The game was a marvelous game, and it was uh, Sinran Kagura. I knew I knew the name, and it's uh, it was a recurring it was a reoccurring feature that they've had in all their games. Even if it had evolved, it was like why now? Uh, but what I wanted to get at, and I guess you're kind of touching on it there, is where does censorship stop? And that's my biggest problem right. because here, of course, you could say that maybe enough people agree on this one because they're like, well, I don't want to see lewd anime girls. Okay, well, maybe you don't. That's fine. Yeah, that, but that, here's that the thing that you that you should advocate change. How, where does that continue to push? That's true, but where does that continue to push? What happens when this isn't the beginning? What happens when this happens and then suddenly they get they continue to appease whoever it is that wants these changes to happen? And then not saying that this would happen, but what happens the day that suddenly The Last of Us Two can't include that kiss scene because oh no don't don't that's a problem it. i'll say don't talk well you, you add your joking at the end of that well you, 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 no, I get no. what you're saying i get what you're I, saying. it's not a problem to Just me so knows, to clarify yeah. no what i'm saying is it's a problem to want to censor that right and that's what i'm getting a very at. big problem so and i think that 
if that's how, it, basically, okay, because then what? Then what happens if we can censor just anything we don't want to see when you have enough of an uproar? Do you know why that nothing? Like it's that, a, it's like, a problem. Do you know why nothing? Not talking about the kids specifically, but do you know why none of these big titles would ever get censored? Because Make, it makes them too much money. Yeah. Well, and they're their games, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a different sense of control. Well, we can give our developers more I mean, leeway than we would give you. That are massive on the system. They they would never go to censor those style games. Sure. Um, but I feel like they, that's what I'm saying too. And now we don't know the numbers that those games make, but I do feel like there is an argument to be made that it's that a big enough niche market that it has out, it's caused this much of an outrage. They're the only people supporting on the console side of things. They're the only people supporting that market. So by doing this, no, 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 no. Switch actually has a lot of these games. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't. For Nintendo, for Nintendo, there is a um, it's like a waitress game. I think I watched a streamer play it live because I was curious. And I, like, dude, it's pretty raunchy. It's pretty lewd. That's interesting. Pull it up real quick and then i'll put a link in the thumbnail for or the thumbnail the description yeah and uh so you guys can see wait, wait i think that's one of those interesting things and my biggest thing about censorship is that where do you decide to stop with censorship because if you if you feed into one it's the same thing we talked about with crossplay right if you give an inch be prepared to take a mile so if you're going to set this in and you're going to say here's a here's the thing you can't do this because we are just not going to allow you how far do they push that and what does that mean for gaming what does that mean for new gaming experiences to try and push a social boundary what does that mean does that mean a game like far cry 5 if it would have come out with as being as religious ambitious as they were trying to make it seem like it was going to be would that game not have been able to come out because of the fact that it was trying to be a religious you know post-mortem and looking at it's not post-mortem but like you know a commentary on religion and where religion can go bad it's oh, just one of those what things is this series we're talking about Sinran Kagura Sinran Kagura interesting there's one on the switch there you are so this the, this is a huge like not only is this just bad from in my opinion at my ethics like I don't think I don't I, I, I think that you should never try to change something this important to people because you don't agree with it just don't support it like i always tell people this or actively protest it i I honestly do that if that's what you want to do but it's not something you should seek like well i'll say protesting in my opinion is 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 to you goal to seek change it's a goal to seek yeah but the the difference is what's the change are you just going to really with protesting your your goal your goal is to change enough people's minds to be on the same side as you that it becomes no longer lucrative for these companies to continue making these games then you're not making them censor the games unless they go through and do that themselves but this is an outward force saying look you just can't make this game if the company makes a decision to censor on their own that's one thing well and it's not like that but it's voting with your wallet like if you don't agree with the company saying don't give them your money and and it's funny I can only imagine I'm going off of completely the caffeine right now and exhaustion in this so ignore me if you disagree but i can only imagine <laughs> we always do the people who are complaining about these games own a ps4 and they're actively buying these games and who are completely against or not for this kind of thing to be taken away it's like then don't buy these games that come to ps4 that you don't want like you don't want that in the game fine don't buy it just just do not support that company your money and there are other it's, japanese games that are not trying to do that so i mean yeah, yeah there's other stuff you can there's do there's plenty of stuff star oceans on the system right there big one uh nino kuni 2 big one dragon quest 11 just released like two months ago big one there's um, there's an amazing amount of jrpgs for the system which is a why a lot of people i think bought this system and i do think that when you try to attack a niche part of this community you see the outrage you see once again neither one of us really play any similar style of this game no i think the closest i've ever gotten is danganronpa i played the sophie atelier whatever games once and they're funny but i don't the gameplay is bad so i don't, don't want to keep I playing i've played an atelier game at all yeah 
or Atelier. Yeah, whatever it is. But hardly remember the name. It's just if this was any other, if this was any other kind of like game niche series, I'd be the same. I'd be on the fence about like there are people who want gay stuff taking our games. Why? Why does, does it affect that, you? Does it offend you that much? That then you, don't buy it. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. You you get to choose what you do and don't participate and, in. And, and I think that's where the line should be. It shouldn't be on Sony to tell people that. But I guess you know, the, unless the, it's stuff like postal. The devil, the devil's advocate side of that is that, of course, they are a private company. If they don't want I mean, their if they don't want their company to be shown and and be you know equated with these super lewd sexual games, it is on them to do that. I just don't agree with it myself not postal what was that game called that came out hatred yeah that's it right there yeah hatred the games that are made just specifically to do that just to make people mad and offended and that game didn't do well because it was overly trying to because it's not art it wasn't it wasn't like what are we going to do here well we're going to try and do art but make people have a commentary on what this hatred is and what like you know because you can still do that game but have another reason but the guys are just like no we just want to make a game where you do a bunch of crazy effed up stuff because we knew we could to people yeah that kind of stuff is trash that shouldn't belong on the system well i I don't want to go that far it's just it's it's not art it's somebody who's going in with an ulterior motive they probably thought that people like people like violence in video games we can we can just make a game that's just violent and we'll it'll do well no because there's no meat to the violence why is the violence there can we talk about why the violence is going on what's the end goal of the violence you know what's going on god of war right it's like well the violence is a means to the end of stopping more violence that could that could cascade further i I do think there's a fine line though at that point when they're when you're making something just to just to be edgy for the sake of being edgy to just do it yeah and i'm not saying the game shouldn't be allowed to exist like we talked about it's just they're going to fail on their own merit and 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 hatred did fail on its own merit it didn't do well the game only came to pc didn't i think so yeah steam Okay, which but, is interesting because that kind of circles back to these games not being allowed on Steam, but that game could. Yeah, hmm. interesting. Very. One of those, uh, one of those weird things. But anyway, let us know your thoughts on these stuff. Do you agree with censorship as a whole? Do you think the censorship should be something allowed? Do you feel like I do and don't think the censorship should be something that's pushed? Just let people make what they want, and then you decide, you decide what you do and don't give into. Um, really, well, where does your line cross? Where do you personally have the issues with games? Like for me, it's nonsensical stuff like hatred. But is this style game one of yours that you think should be on there? Do you like? Do you have that line? What? Is your pushing point, and more and importantly, playing a protest. Yeah, and if more importantly, do. how do you feel about this actually affecting Japanese gamers? Where it's going to, uh, it's going to affect Jap- Japan the most. Uh, it, it doesn't have as big of an effect sure. on us and our market. Uh, I think that that's one of those weird things. But you know what? Japan's small. When you get five hundred thousand sales on a game that's made for a market that's primarily like they know what market they're making to. Uh, it's just it's a very odd thing. You're creating less targeted markets, which is not a great thing. You know. Uh, diversity is the name of the game and when you have every kind of thing on your system you do even better so I think it's a more of a weird thing on Sony's part do you agree do you think Sony's in the right to do this or do you think it's going to have some kind of a negative effect uh, and be a stepping stone towards something even more extreme and maybe like we always say is this Sony going back to their stubborn we are the ultimate controller of every single thing that happens and we're going to tell you what you want instead of listening to what you want and my wallet will know exactly what i want <laughs> i don't want to do anything of that yeah anyway with that being said Saul, i think that we both have everything we wanted to get out so until next week this has been triangle squared thank, thank you. you guys thanks to our patrons chad v dan barber josh jarrell mikey 12 my name is dan douglas below shadowist steven salazar the stonard travis below Blake Popst and Eduardo Palomino. If you would like to support us on Patreon, the link is in the description below, but we thank you for your time.